0: Hello, hello, and welcome back to Down the Yellow Brick Pod, and a happy holiday season! If you are looking to treat the Oz fan in your life, or your own inner child, venture on over to our Etsy swag shop at etsy.com slash shop slash down the YBP, where we just dropped our new wintry designs, including a Feminists and Pets of Oz line, along with an ozoturgy dictionary definition design for all folks like us who wish this was their major in college. Consider shopping small and supporting independent artists in your purchases this holiday season. It matters immensely. Also, it's not too late to enter our end-of-the-season giveaway. Entries are open until Sunday, December 19th. Enter by submitting an Apple podcast rate and review for one entry or joining our Patreon pod squad for 10 entries at any tier. Bonus entries may be earned by followers of the IG. Keep an eye out. Giveaway includes Oz collectibles and new trinkets and treasures repping our season of musical adaptations and treasures by fellow independent artists. We hope the winner is you. Hello, friend!
1: You are listening to Down the Yellow Brick Pod, an all-things Wizard of Oz podcast that will take you over the rainbow and down a yellow brick rabbit hole as we pull back the curtain on American culture's most visited fairyland. We are your hosts, Tara
0: and MK, the Royal Revisionists of Oz and roommates in Queens, New York, here to preserve the rustic emeralds of yesteryear and reimagine an Oz for today and future generations. This season, we will be deep diving with the melodies of the many musical adaptations of L. Frank Baum's original Oz book, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, taking up residency in the 1939 classic MGM film, as well as the 70s super soul hit whiz visit our insta
1: at down the yellow brick pod for an accompanying scrapbook and fave space to connect as well as our patreon community where we continue the escapism and entertainment with tiny oz concerts acoustic coffee shop covers and mashups not sponsored by NPR, and other good witchy perks for each Patreon tier. Our Patreons are truly our MVPs. Consider joining our Oz fam today. It would truly make our day.
0: May the world of Oz continue to be a bewitching escape in bewildering years, nostalgic and nuanced, and a magical refuge where two gals and queens can cross yellow brick roads with wonders like you. Zoe O'Halen Byrne is a lifelong Oz fan and performer. Therefore, it's no surprise that her two passions have intersected many times over the years. She has appeared in numerous stage productions of The Wizard of Oz, including the infamous Muni adaptation. Her obsession with all things Oz and theater has also led her to collect numerous production programs and conduct hours upon hours of research that has proven useless until this very moment. We are so lucky, Zoe. In the world of Oz, Zoe is perhaps better known as the Scarecrow or the Wicked Witch than as herself. She is the founder and executive director of The Spirit of Oz, a costumed character troupe that tours the country visiting Oz and family themed events, as well as schools, libraries, and children's hospitals. Zoe is also a co host of the International Wizard of Oz Club's Oz Talk, which can be found on YouTube. Joey is a New York City based stage manager and licensed real estate agent. He grew up in the heart of Central Texas around farms with storm cellars, cyclones, and a little dog, too, so it's no wonder he connected with the story of Dorothy Gale. As a child, he first discovered Oz through the MGM film, but in time found his way to the books, reading all of Baum's Oz books thanks to his grandmother and a library card, and then the International Wizard of Oz Club. Joey also fell in love with the theater, writing and directing his own adaptation of Oz in the second grade as the school play. He loves to see any Oz stage production he can find and collect souvenir programs and playbills of Oz productions around the world and across the decades. As a stage manager, Joey has worked in the New York City company of Jersey Boys, as well as many new works and developmental pieces, concerts, cabarets, and live events, and with a wide list of local and internationally known drag artists. Don't forget, Joey is also a real estate agent affiliated with TripleMint, So if you are looking for an apartment in New York City or just to talk more about Oz, you can find him on Instagram at Joey P in NYC.
1: A quote from John Kane, the adapter of the Royal Shakespeare Company's new Wizard of Oz production. When Terry Hands, director of the Royal Shakespeare Company, approached Ian Judge with the view He was the director with a view to creating a new musical for the Barbican theater. (laughs) I hope I'm saying that right. (laughs) Barbizon, Barbican theater. There was no hesitation. It had to be the wizard of Oz, but the starting point for the adaptation had to be the version created by MGM in 1939. It's like a little low shade at the Muni version. Had to be. be. (laughs) Apart from a magnificent score by Harburg and Arlen, the basic novel, (laughs) basic (laughs) basic bitch by all Oh, it says Frank Albaum. That's a that happens a lot there in the nineties. We have a lot of Frank Albom. My mm-hmm. Frank Albom was filtered through the creative sieve of at least ten top screenwriters before it's reached it reached the screen. The result is a dramatic structure which could hardly be better. As a result, adapting the film for the stage was one of the easiest and happiest jobs I've ever done. Mm -hmm. Whenever a scene needed to be enlarged or elaborated, we returned to the original book and always found material that fit it perfectly. Which again demonstrates how true the original screenwriters had been to the spirit of... Frank L. Baum. <laughs> hey, Frank L. With that being said, we are here today in the, what is now considered the standard musical version of The Wizard of Oz, the Royal Shakespeare Company production, and its long life that is still in existence today, joined with our good friends, Joey and Zoe. <gasps> so happy to have you both. Today. Hi. Thank you for being here. Like. Yes. Evan and I at the top, when we signed on to our video conference, just were like, thank you. Thank you. Oh thank my gosh. You, thank you for being here.
0: I'd be passing out right now. We, so glad you're here. I feel like I'm drowning in research
1: <laughs> yeah. and also so many more question marks too. And just wanting to watch every performance that ever exists. We need hours of fun. We need months and months and months. Of months. <laughs> because it's this. so fun just to see like, oh, who made this choice here? And like what's stuck on for other people's choices. It's just so fun to mm-hmm. do this. So thanks for being yes, here. Yes, thank you. I think it's a good place to start with the Lux Radio Theatre presentation that happened in 1949, which Joey so brilliantly brought to our awareness of, like, mm-hmm. oh, this is really important to what was going to happen with the stage adaptations going on. So, Joey, can you share a little bit about this Lux Radio Theatre presentation? And, oh, who was starring in it, by the way? Who came uh-huh. <laughs>
2: So Lux Radio Theater was a radio program that ran for decades, and what they would do is they would adapt films for radio plays, and it would sometimes be a new movie coming out, and that's how they would promote it. That is where Disney debuted Snow White, Pinocchio, many other things, and a lot of times they would do popular movies, anniversary of, anniversaries of movies, and they would bring back big Hollywood stars, some who had done the original versions, a lot of new people, different stars in a different thing, just to keep it interesting. And Judy Garland returned 10 years after playing Dorothy to reprise her role for the Lux Radio Theater with an entirely new cast around her.
1: Yes! I've only snuck clips of it, and I need to listen to the whole thing, which is why I think we're going to force our Patreons to listen to it <laughs> You must! Because it's <laughs> It's brilliant, though. Like, just the little clips, like, how they made changes to the scripts too. Like, where they made changes. We're just It's just so brilliant. It's so sweet. Like, there's a wholesomeness about it, but also a maturity now with Judy. Is there anything that, in that presentation, that you see carried over to the eventual Royal Shakespeare production that would happen later on?
2: Hey, nothing word for word, nothing directly, but there's just that sensibility of having the reverence for the movie and and the love for the movie and and the freedom to well the challenge with the royal shakespeare company production anytime you do it is people know the movie word for word right Right. and with the lux radio theater version it wasn't able to be word for word so it really was kind of the first time that people were taking the mgm property and reimagining through a little bit of a different language
1: yeah. and and how do you,
2: how do you do that and stay true to it
1: yeah i noticed even i just listened to some of the beginning earlier and i was noticing oh the wagon wheel is in this version like they have in the farmhand scene which we'll talk about when we get into the rsc scene. yes i was like oh they must have taken this from here and i was trying to find through just some google searching like oh my gosh did john kane like love this radio version of oz because right. it does seem like some stuff was taken. Zoe, do you have anything to add Yeah. any of the Lux Radio Theater?
3: One thing I noticed carrying over to the play from the radio drama is with the radio drama, there was no visual cues. So they had to be more on the nose with what was happening. And I noticed in the Royal Shakespeare adaptation, I think they were thinking, well, some people might be sitting hundreds of feet away from the stage. So, you know, if you're in the nosebleeds, I don't know how big the Barbican Theater is. I've never been there. But you know, they got to give you that cue to be like, this is the witch. Right. So like, even in like the Lux version, when she gets Toto, Miss galcha's is like, I got him and there's nothing you can do to stop me. <laughs> and like cackles. And it's like, they're like, just in case you don't get it yet. She is the wicked witch. Just the wicked. same as you'll hear <laughs> yes. the other characters harp on courage and heart and brain. And they kind of take the whole goofiness of hunk up and the, the heartfeltness of uh hickory and the the hilarious uh cur- cowardliness of Zeke and they kind of just blow it up to the nth degree to be like just in case you don't get it here you go. <laughs> I, love,
1: I love that little line that um I forget which farmhand it is is like oh total we could see Toto running back right now. Like <laughs> they witness Toto running back to the yeah, farm. He to be comes. Like, get him Dorothy like they see that all and direct that all and that makes sense like Thank you for just also like breaking down, oh, we're in a radio
3: medium. Right. So we have to, we have to narrate everything. Fun story. I did a production once where we actually took almost line for line that bit about Toto coming back (laughs) because Toto was a puppy and we could not get the dog to come back on stage. So we, and the director's like, what are we going to do? I like, listen, I have listened to this radio show. I will go and get the dog and bring him back to Dorothy. And it kind of helps to, um, scaffold the relationship between dorothy and the scarecrow because i would come back and be like i found your puppy and she'd be like oh thank you you're the best friend anyone ever had and then she immediately then runs away but you know (laughs) as you do
1: i love when she also like breaks down the professor marvel sign she's like he does readings like she's like saying all the things he does. i love this i love that there's more dialogue
2: one of my favorite moments, especially having Judy do it, is when she opens the door to Munchkinland because it is that radio presentation. Yeah. You get to hear Judy verbalize Dorothy's impression. You, you get to hear her verbalize that acting beat that she took on screen 10 years before.
1: And what Ooh. an acting beat. We, I think we spent about 10 minutes <laughs> just on that, that acting beat when moment. we were there just being like, because she so mouths good. things like in that moment. In yeah. Her. She got, Like, her mouth is moving because she's just, like, such in such a gogment. <laughs> it's a new word. A gogment. A gogment <laughs> at this Technicolor world coming to life before her. But she, like, that moment is brilliant in the film. Oh. So, oh, gosh, the fact that she gets to vocalize it. Yeah, how special okay, to get a to must. hear
0: Judy, uh, like, do this role in a different medium again and have little tweaks. And that's all we would get from Judy reviving this. Right, in right. A-
3: yeah. And there are some moments where she has lines that are definitely through the lens of 1949 Judy. Ooh.
4: Because yes. Judy's
3: verbal her verbal style changed as she got older. So there's one part I know she's talking to the munchie and she's like, Oh, it, it, it's lovely. I I oh yes. And it's very yeah. much like think of Judy on her talk show or you know, her talk yeah, show, the guys. Judy Garland show. Just how I I never, you know, and I love it. Yeah, it's so sweet.
2: Aww. And, and, and all fun. of a sudden, yeah. No, she's she's she's, from
1: MGM, right? Is this around? It it really,
2: yeah, yeah. Like when she did the movie, she was approaching it with that innocence of a sixteen-year-old, and then ten years later, she's coming back with not just the knowledge and the things that have happened to her over those ten years. Which, as you all have talked about, you know, she went through so much. She was really put through the ringer by the studio system. So she has that perspective, and she was also a mother at that point. So she's looking at this story now through the lens of a mother rather than just the child.
1: Also probably being like, Liza's going to listen to this yeah, like as she's doing it.
2: My absolute favorite thing on that, on that presentation, they do radio commercials. And Judy does, yeah, to promote Lux Soap. That's and Judy has to do the radio commercial for Lux soap, and so she's reading the script, and it's all about how she does laundry with Liza. And of course, you know she's reading, and clearly Judy didn't read the script before <laughs> because they got Liza's age wrong. So Judy reads Liza's incorrect age, and she goes, "Wait, that's not right. Liza's this." Yeah, and just keeps on going. <laughs>
0: to read through
2: all of this <laughs> she's like
0: wait well, wait <laughs> yeah <laughs> it makes me yeah think. and it's
3: like it's christmas day too so i think there's even a part at the end where they're like interviewing judy and she's like oh yes i'm gonna go spend christmas with my little girl liza and, we're, and like it's this sweet moment like her as a mother always like oh warms your
1: heart oh uh. Makes me think, um, I'm a huge Shirley Temple fan. And there's, oh my God, it, I mean, so many Shirley Temple movies revolve around radio programs like, mm-hmm. and her being a star <laughs> in radio programs. But there's a song that just started bursting in my head. And I wonder if you guys know it. The Buy a Bar of Berries. Do you know what I'm singing? There's like that soap commercial that she did. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> soap was the hot commodity of the day. Listen, like if I was alive back yeah. then, I would have been a jingle singer still want to i still want to be, I a still want to be a yeah singer. let's still like, do that it. is it that would have been my golden ticket
2: <laughs> Go, the boylan sisters yes, yes. <laughs> boylan sisters for life yes
0: would totally do it i also love that this took place on christmas day because i yes, feel like that ties into the when it's televised during the holidays later on it just yeah it, i want
1: to watch awesome. really
2: establish a tradition
0: yeah 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 brilliant now
1: okay zoe we, we've been DMing a little bit since our <laughs> uh, Muni madness.
0: <laughs> into those DMs.
1: Uh, Just about like, you know, trying to understand what happened here with all this copywriting with Tams Whitmark, like why the Muni production really didn't touch the screenplay, like chose to do its own thing. We have many, I think there's many things that contribute to that. Like we were talking about before, the fact that just no one was adapting movies to musicals. That was not a form. And like having the more pantomime option the more theatrically conservative option felt better so this thing could be the star vehicle for people all across the country I mean the, pe- the amount of people I can't get over the Hudson brothers that's where I'm now obsessed the Hudson brothers <laughs> with Margaret Hamilton at the Muni like, yes men have never acted in their life but they were like the like kind of like the beach boys like a low-key beach boy vibe maybe like yes. I would say like B-list, C-list celebrity land, like they were known, but like they're not, their legacy isn't something that you'd have to dig up now as 2021 mm-hmm. Ian's, um, like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like they're not like the Beach Boys, <laughs> like where we right. sing them, but they were right. they were big at the time and here they are playing the Scarecrow, Tin Man oh, and Caroline. And it's, it's super funny, but anyways. Um, Stitching this all together, Zoe, you were making some new revelations around, okay, I think this could have been what happened with Tam's Whitmark, which would then
3: shift us over to this production that happens
1: in the mid-80s.
3: Yeah, so um, I had a bunch of coffee after recording that episode, and I was driving, (laughs) and I had these ideas going, voice message, uh, Siri, take a note. Um, It got me thinking, so thinking about what wasn't in the Muni version, the two major emissions we're seeing is, There's no Toto and there's no Magic Shoes. So I got thinking, okay, why would that be? And then I started thinking, well, they had to license the show from Tam's Whitmark. So I'm wondering, did Tam's Whitmark have full and exclusive control of stage adaptations? If that was in fact the case, that would explain that they couldn't even go back to the novel and take the Silver Shoes or Toto without going to Bob's mural and shelling out more money for additional licensing. Um, Again, I don't, I have no idea what were in the details of that original licensing contract for the extravaganza, but I would not be surprised to find out that Tams Whitmark held exclusive rights to stage adaptations of the wizard of Oz at that time, which um, must've at some point merged into another deal. Because I know when MGM bought the book rights, they got, the rights to the extravaganza too. But that would explain why in the world of stage, maybe the Muni could not have reached back to the novel. They had to keep what was specifically in the extravaganza. And then they went to MGM and only licensed the music
4: without any
3: licensing to the screenplay whatsoever, which would make sense because we're talking about, they might say, well, why would we pay you money for a script when we, we know the story.
1: Right. And that makes sense Mm. because the magic shoes, nor Toto are in the
3: extravaganza. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, maybe they could have used Imogene and who knows, maybe Ah. there was some weird community theater that (laughs) did Imogene because as I understand it, between 1902 and 1942, people were licensing the Muni version to do it in stock theaters and amateur theaters. So someone might've said, Hey, we did, the, the extravaganza back in 1931, we've still got this cow costume. We're not doing Into the Woods. It hasn't been invented yet, so we will <laughs> put it to use. Oh. Which, by the way, rest in peace, Stephen Sondheim. You know, I, as a bunch yes. of theater people, we do have to acknowledge that today. Yes, we do. Into the
1: Woods probably wouldn't exist without The Wizard of Oz. He hey. always credited The Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. as am inspiration for that, which is just beautiful. Mm. Yeah. We have some Stephen Seinheim, Seinheim, again, speak Seinheim <laughs> <laughs> moments coming up yes. later today. Yeah, which is very Got exciting. On. It'll okay. be in our, it'll be in our episode. <laughs> okay, this is amazing. all amazing. This is all so good to like break down or theorize. That onto, makes because like it is. This is where it gets like a little murky. Just like why the why is kind of.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> all the copyright is. Oh, it goes over my head, so it's good to present.
3: Yeah, and it might be interesting to note. Um, so I found out. I did more research after recording the episode, you know, I should have done my brush no, up research do. before, but you know, as I was, when we, when we were DMing, you know, as you ladies pointed out, you know, research is cyclical. It never ends. So, you know, we're right. coming back to say, Hey, here's what we missed. You know, um, I did find a really interesting article from David Maxine's uh, VintageBroadway.com, oh, um, which God. is all about the wizard of Oz on Broadway in 1902. And he points out that, one of the reasons that, again, I don't know how to pronounce his name, tight gens, tit gens, t- it gens, uh, however uh. it's pronounced. Uh, <laughs> maybe the gym, I don't know. Um, some of his score was retained in the original 42 for an overture and underscoring. And he even points out that there's like sheet, mu- sheet music, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, notes showing the insertion of over the rainbow into the score. So the name of this article, of course, is insert rainbow here. So it's like, here's a piece (laughs) from the extravaganza and there is a note written into the score that says, insert over the rainbow here.
0: Oh my god. So
3: that's really interesting to find out. And it's also funny to see that people judged the Muni based on the the extravaganza. They held it to that 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 standard. standard. There's even like a I, I paraphrased this when we were DMing sliding into those DMs. Basically one reviewer said, we don't want a plot. We want entertainment so they're talking about how yeah. the 1902 version didn't really follow a plot thread so much as it was this is just the wizard of oz is a night of entertainment with these characters and so this person's like basically saying i don't like the mgm score i don't like this cohesive plot which to call the Muni a cohesive plot is <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah it is really funny to see how people were like this isn't the show i want give me the Traveler in the pie. The
1: plot is so yeah. well fleshed out. But I do have, like, thinking that some of Paul Teachins, oh my goodness, our neighborhood is alive right always, now. You're always, always. You're going to hear an underbeat now, probably for the rest of the episode. Um, <laughs> but Paul Teachens is, I like thinking that some of his music made it into this yeah. mini production because it just, like, feels like yeah. a gentle little, like, high five. <laughs> you did it! Between productions. Because it's not till RSC that Herbert Stolhertz' whole MGM underscoring and incidental music gets reinstated back. back into the musical, which is, yeah. I think that's where our SC made the Good best choice. right turn. Good yeah. I was like that needed to come back because those moments are just so epic. Yeah. Um, the score speaks for
2: itself. Yeah. And I think that's, that's an important part of the transition between the two. When yeah. the Muni adaption was created, the the 1903 musical was what people held to be precious. MGM was still new, people enjoyed it, but it wasn't the cultural ethos Mm -hmm. standard that it is now. And so it, it was that that was precious when that was adapted. And then by the time the RSC came along, the MGM film had become that cultural standard. And RSC, Held that to be precious in their work.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a little bit like all about Eve. You know, there's like an old dame of this version that is around still, and then like a newer (laughs) one comes in. That's and that's
0: it's always that cyclical nature. Yeah, but it is always helpful to remember. People loved the original Broadway production. That's okay. I think when we unpacked it, it was kind of fun to tease it a little bit because it's just so out there. But that's helpful to know for
1: us now. For us
0: now. But back Back then, then they were like, yeah.
1: we would have spent all our, all our pennies on tickets. Yeah. Oh,
2: I still would. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure and it really some- does. I was like, it, it really does still impact how the show is cast. Yeah. And you know, right. in, in, in how it's created. MGM wrote those characters around these amazing vaudevillians to do what they do best. Right. It started you know, showing up on stage at the Muni, and people were casting these stars to come in and do what they do best. And you still see that in large productions of The Wizard of Oz. In, where people bring in the stars and say, do what you do best. And that was all really established through Montgomery and Stone and the tradition that carried on after them through that production.
0: Yeah. Freaking love this stuff.
3: And those so poppy bad. costumes. I mean, I wonder how many people walked out going, it was fun. That rainbow number was nice. But where was the- Sir Dashamoff Daily and-, really? <laughs> and the song about the brandy wine? <laughs> I saw this show when I was a little girl.
1: I hope <laughs> that happened.
3: I Just hope that the did. disappointment I to
2: miss the ball of nations.
3: I yeah, this, I went to the bathroom and I missed the phantom patrol. Oh <laughs> my god. Like, oh I wonder god. how many people thought I got up to use the bathroom and I missed my favorite number. They're like, did they cut? Like, Because I'm sure there were some people who went fully expecting.
0: The same thing.
3: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: so funny. Oh, expectations Tripsy. are... Ever- well, this
1: is another thing. Like, I think Oz, it's, like, both the blessing and curse of Oz. Expectations are... Ever- yes. And we, Americans, specifically with this musical, have such expectations of it. Yeah. Um. I. It's interesting to see, like, I'm like, okay, England, like, loves doing The Wizard of Oz on stage. Like, they're, mm-hmm. like, all for it, but we're, like... Like we really hold the movie Very so sacred. precious and sacred that it's really hard to see a success, successful stage adaptation. Because I do think, we'll talk about this more as we go along, the RSC production is way more of a hit overseas than it is here. I think mm-hmm. we have a little Judge Judy come out, you know? <laughs> Judge Judy mm-hmm. yeah. Garland come out. Because we're like,
0: what? Well, like, I think everyone still compares yeah, actors we're, to we're Judy Garland. like Even Chasing Rainbows. Yes. I feel like People are still like, oh well, she's not up to the standard that Judy is, and it's like, well, no one is around.
2: Forever. No, no one, no one can one be. Ever
0: will be, and we don't do that with every other show. I don't know. There's something there's, very specific. There's a lot. There's a yeah, lot people want to see.
3: People almost see stage versions as a remake. It's like we're not trying to re. Like, Do the film and forget the film. It's we love it so much that we want to bring it to this new medium. And we're celebrating it. Judy, yeah, Judy's dead. We can't get her into this production. She can't be cast. (laughs) But it's it is interesting that you mentioned you know overseas, and you know even just you go north enough in Canada, you get these people who are not so in love with the the MGM film. So if you go on Concord's website, you can see where the shows are being done, and if you look at the Muni, it's almost exclusively done in the UK, Scotland, and Ireland now. And because they they love the pantomime tradition. So I think a lot of them yes. say, well, we're going to do the Muni because it's more pantomime and we can actually mess with this script a little bit more and say, this isn't the movie. Whereas if they mess with the RC version, yeah. people might get on a plane, fly to England and burn a theater down just
2: because <laughs> that's not how yeah. Judy did
3: it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and well, and I think watch. that's something important that we'll talk more about too. Yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry to jump in, but we'll jump in. The, the rsc adaption as faithful as it is it is done through the lens of british humor british sensibility british pantomime tradition and so we as americans are looking at this distinctly american property this distinctly american story that we love in a very distinct way as an american audience being filtered through a literally foreign lens right right the humor that is added in the jokes. A lot of the slapstick are distinctly british pantomime and and that is one thing that a european audience will connect with very differently than we do here
1: right i feel like the brits That's must true. think that when we're like let's do peter pan they probably have <laughs> they're like mm, with us but i feel like they Americans do. when we watch wizard of oz any any adaptation of wizard of Oz*, it's like we're watching someone carry a very fragile tea set you're gonna mess it up across you're gonna mess like it up. And they're like just shaking just like a little bit and we're just like what waiting, waiting
0: for them to drop it like we're just waiting for it to <laughs> it's shatter. so closely connected to our childhoods so yeah it's it's just it's you can't it's very hard for people to let go
1: i do think it's in a unique category in this way that and this book that we keep referencing yeah. adapting the wizard of oz musical versions from bomb to mgm and beyond that's full of essays basically will make the argument that the successful musical productions of the wizard of oz proper are ones that stray completely away Mm. from the mgm world of it or the mgm retelling or the original source book like the Wiz* being a completely different interpretation and then wicked so it's saying like basically we cannot uh we cannot crack how to make (laughs) <laughs> the MGM Wizard of you Oz have the Broadway success or the stage success that something like The Wiz or Wicked would have.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, okay, let us get into Royal Shakespeare Company, this more true to the MGM <gasps> source, close recreate. Let's get into it. So let's talk a little bit about John Kane, our adapter, because he's an interesting dude. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was, I love this title, an associate actor. With the royal shakespeare company yeah and it just feels like from what i was reading up about him he did a lot he was a sitcom writer he did a lot of sketch writing he had a specialty in children's shows and it's all very british most of the names that i was reading i was like don't recognize don't recognize because it's just (laughs) not stuff that has come over here except for doctor who he did have Mm -hmm. um i want to make sure to presence this because we have a lot of people who are doctor who fans who bring up some Doctor Who and Oz, um, Connections. So he was, um, he played Tommy in the 1974 um, serial Planet of Spiders. Um, that's your, that's for our Whovians, just so that we can make sure we <laughs> presence that. Um, but it feels like the Royal Shakespeare Company really was his No Place Like Home. It's where he kept returning um, as an actor, as a writer. Um, He's still alive. He's still with us. We should reach out. I'm like noting that Like we should reach out to this man. He lives in the southern, southern part of France. Maybe he'll invite us over. Maybe <laughs> we can go visit him and have some tea. <laughs> but yeah, he is still around. He's still active, I believe, too, in writing. Um, so this is, it's, um, it's cool to just get into a little bit of his backstory. But again, like I didn't recognize a lot of his work no. just because it is so supremely British. Yeah. Anything we want to add about John Kane?
2: I don't envy the man's job in taking on Writing the state, the first faithful stage adaptation of MGM's Oz. No, I, I think you have to present the the courage that that took. It's, I uh, think yeah. it's daunting.
3: Yeah, and I would applaud him. I think, in my opinion, as an actress and as someone who's directed too, I think he did a really good job. Yeah, especially I- like all things considered, he did a good job determining okay this is a space where we could make this a little bigger on stage we could expand this scene um here's where we maybe need to rearrange to make it make sense there are obviously elements that in today's audience or today's world we have to change a little just so it lands with the audience but that happens with any show that was written 30 what 34 years ago um so but you know he got us a good base he got us a really good base to start off with um Take notes, Andrew Lloyd Webber.
1: Uh-oh. Please, I, I will.
3: Sh- I will
2: fire those shots.
0: We'll get into it. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. I feel- I feel Strong like
2: opinions. Strong opinions here <laughs> as well.
0: Hot takes are being thrown here. Anything, M, that you would like <laughs> to add about
1: John? T- I know. Or I, Ian I, judge. Anything I agree along with our completely. Creatives.
0: Like I, so I did this version. I yes. discovered when I was 16, when you're 16, you don't really know what you're doing. <laughs> and I realized like this was the one that we did. So it's very nostalgic for me. So, yeah, big ups to to John Kane. But I find it interesting. So he was specifically asked by the Royal Shakespeare yeah. Company. Like they picked like, you. you will be doing this. <laughs> um, so basically, it's interesting. The director, Ian Judge, mentioned that the artistic director of RSC, Terry Hands, asked for a show that could be performed annually over the Christmas season, which I guess they had done previously with Peter Pan, J.M. Berry's Peter Pan. Yeah. Play. Um, which I just love again, bringing it back to like a holiday moment. So. well, it's
3: interesting because 1987, their whole thing was also a salute to American theater and mm-hmm. American cinema, actually. Thank you so much. This- yes. <laughs> debuted in the same season as the infamous Carrie the musical. Oh, yes. Wow. And that's oh, that's makes- a piece of context that I feel like is so important to be like, this show followed Carrie.
4: Excellent.
2: I oh. I was just about just about to mention that. It's sort of that dynamic of the Wizard of Oz and Carrie coming into the the ethos of the Royal Shakespeare Company at the same time.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: They're both right. stories about women who might be witches. You know, yeah, I mean, like, yes. so. this
0: is true. Coming of age stories.
1: <laughs> one um, has a lot of revenge fantasy and the other is just trying to get home. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to make it work. And,
2: and I don't think you would have one without the other. Ooh. I re I really don't think we would have the stage version of Carrie without RSC doing Oz and we wouldn't have Oz without RSC working on Carrie.
3: Yeah, I think they were reaching for a broader audience because as I understand it, you know, before this, they were getting a lot of older audiences, you know, the standard theater crowd. So I think Carrie was an attempt to pull in the young adults and teens, whereas Wizard of Oz was trying to pull in more families. And I think they were trying to just diversify their options.
1: Yeah, create family. I feel like family theater was not quite the thing that we now know it is. I, I think it was coming up in this time um like going to the theater with your family especially Mm, at the holiday time right um it's like a huge cash cow in every sense yeah for theaters i mean i've done so many holiday musicals that's why it's so much and it's growing up yeah like holiday musicals i feel like ever now since the pandemic this is kind of the first two years i've been without doing some sort of holiday something yeah um at this time and they're always it's always got like the tradition of the family coming Mm -hmm. um which is this is probably around the time when that started to become commercialized, I would say. You know, the especially too, like having ads and all of that and really selling to that demographic would be interesting.
0: So I heard, I read in my research that RC getting into a little bit of the inspiration, they based their costumes on a combination of the book's original artwork and The Wiz. Wild. Woo! Shout out The Wiz. <laughs> You can see, like there oh, yeah. are there the are really big inspirations being taken because the Wiz was not too that far ahead, and, yeah, behind.
1: And more of the film, I feel like, like Nipsey Russell's Tin Man yes, costume specifically is like, I feel like, seen a little bit in yeah. this
3: version.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. I'm looking at the sketches right here in the program, and they, yeah, you see them, and you're like, that's the Wiz, <laughs> <laughs> the the mm-hmm. lion, little safari suit. Is very much how, like, I think it was the British production of The Wiz where they put the lion in a lion's football uniform. There was a production that did that. They actually just had the lion in a football Great
1: uniform. Lions? Oh, Sal. Yeah. They're not a good team. Not this way. Yeah, I- <laughs> oh,
0: shameful. Oh, man. Okay. I just found that funny. They were like, let's capitalize on what well, worked. They were probably, if we think about the
1: designers, they probably were inspired by a multitude. This is their mashup, you know, like they right. get to mash up what they were what inspired by in the past. to create mm-hmm. something new, which is what we're all doing at all times. We're all stealing, yeah. we're all stealing at all times. Right. So just a little and bit it, about, go ahead. I
2: was like, it, it, and looking at the costumes and just the design in general, it very much, you can tell it was done by a theater company that is more adult. Right. Th- th- those interpretations bringing in those types of things it really does have that in te- in quotes intelligent theater grown-up theater aesthetic to it
1: yeah definitely. across the board i feel like when i was only in england for a week i went to the royal shakespeare company's Ooh. home at the barbican center because they were back there at the time, cause I know they took a break, they took a hiatus from this being their London home, the Barbican center. Um, but when I went there, that's exactly how I would describe British theater. It's just like intelligent, intelligent. <laughs> just feels, it just feels so much more um, swift. Cerebral. Yes, Ooh. and yeah, like there's a, and like a cunningness about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Intellectual theater. Intellectual yeah.
3: intellectual and like the witch being the grand dame role, you know, yeah. played by a man in a sequin gown with this yes. ridiculous, like almost Egyptian inspired headdress instead of a. Tra- she is not our traditional Halloween witch, broomstick and all.
2: <laughs> right. Far no, okay. from it. I am Very far
3: from it.
1: To get into the witch specifically yeah. for this production. So, yes. And, and Billy Brown, because Billy Brown. Is brilliant. Yeah.
2: Olivia in this
1: role which that we'll get into. Okay, let's talk about a little a little bit about the theater space that we are yeah. in because this has its own history that's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. So um the Barbican Center which is in North London it's a performing arts center that officially opened to the public by Queen Elizabeth cutting the ribbon in 1982. No <laughs> after 10 years of construction so the actual structure structure is considered a part of this brutalist architecture um, which to describe that it's hmm. a utilitarian uh, design approach that was very common in the reconstruction period post world war ii um and they saw this building as a cultural phoenix because hmm. this area of london was bombed immensely mm-hmm. during world war ii so they had a lot to do to rebuild this area so this um design it has this raw concrete um cold some people would describe it as cold uh, energy about it i believe um in 2003 in a gray london poll it was voted ugliest building um <laughs> so it definitely has an Ooh, energy shape. that is about it but they did later on um they would bring like um statues and uh gardening landscaping to the building to lighten it up to make it i think that's a part of the arts and craft movement that would take over to kind of i think make sterile environments come a little bit more to like a fresh
0: existence um this makes sense because when i looked up photos i was like oh that is not what i was expecting right yeah um It's
1: the largest um, performing arts center of its kind in Europe. Their library that they have on property is equivalent to our Lincoln Center Library, which is cool to think about. There's three restaurants within this building, so you can truly go to spend a day. There's a conservatory. There's a concert hall. It's home Mm -hmm. to um, the London Symphony Orchestra and the BBC Symphony Orchestra. And it was this recurring home for the Royal Shakespeare Company. as their London home base, it was originally the the Barbican Theatre within the Barbican Centre was originally built for this company. Um, they would leave it in the early two thousands um, to do more touring productions, and then they would come back and say it's their home again in two thousand thirteen. They would play and rep with Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream and Winter's Tale through February twenty twenty
2: seventh, nineteen eighty eight. So. The Wizard of Oz debuted at the Barbican in 1987, and Carrie debuted at Stratford-upon-Avon in
1: 1988. Ooh. Oh, they were in rep with each other. Okay. Um, shall we talk a little bit about these actors before we get into the script? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Please, please everyone. Who? Imelda Sassan! <laughs> we, yes. we might recognize as Professor Umbridge from the Harry Potter movies. No I mean, deal. no big deal about Imelda Staunton. Uh, she has loads of Olivier nominations. So she, I mean, I guess the commoner, like, what am I saying? But like the common person <laughs> yeah. would not
0: know, A regular audience would not know Imelda
1: Staunton, right. who has this iconic presence on screen, has this musical theater stage past. I mean, she's pretty wonderful. I mean, she's yeah. going to be playing the Queen soon on The Crown. Yes. She's going to be in the final two seasons of The Crown. But what's so cool about her in this production specifically? um, She's already have had a few. I think she already had her first Olivier nomination. She's thirty-one playing Dorothy. Which wow, that's that's fierce. You could kind of feel it though. I'm a little (laughs) like, well, this is a a grown woman playing Dorothy. With but we're ignoring it. We're not like Diana Rossing like
3: acknowledging it at least.
1: Like there's (laughs) we're just ignoring that she's older, which is. Yes.
3: Um, On stage, you can get away with it more than when there's a close-up. Camera, right?
1: right. Yeah, that I mean, like, no Blu is- ray of
3: Imelda Staunton doing this, so you
1: yeah, know, know. Is still going. So, is going. bless these women. Yeah. yeah, um, but she would win her first Olivia right after doing this, which she was also Olivia nominated for this production of the yeah, Wild. Um, but she would win for Baker's Wife and in Into the Woods. so another Stephen Sondheim shout out, and she is also just now especially known for her iconic turns as uh, Rose and Mama Gypsy, Rose. as Mrs. Lovett and Sweet Todd, which. I have a little clip for because of what we now know of Stephen Sondheim mm-hmm. um just been listening to his music kind of non-stop in the last like it's been less than 24 hours yeah. since we've found out while you're hearing this everyone but just thought I'd give a little shout out to S- Stephen Sondheim with Imelda Staunton so mm-hmm. this is from the um Sweeney Todd production that she was in on the oh.
2: so good I love it
1: we do not judge yet, but there's something else
3: you might fancy even better. Come on, Umbridge. Pet,
2: pet, executioner.
3: a charity to the world, my pet. Yes, yes, I know, my lord. We'll take the customers that we can get. High born
4: and low,
1: my lord. Come we on, Duff, dis- in a voice. That <laughs> <It> sounds <laughs> Yeah. Um, probably yes. one of the best Act One finales, and. In- all existence of musical theater. If you do not know what that is, that's a little priest from Sweeney Todd. Mm. Highly recommend watching any version that is available. There's concert versions, there's mm-hmm. and there's also
3: the original Broadway production of Sweeney. Todd. That that version though is so good, and I don't even like Michael Ball, but he is a good Sweeney.
1: This is mm. brilliant. From what I've seen clips of, like they're just so yeah. intense. It works for this. I'm not quite a fan of the Gypsy
3: production. I'm just like, whoa, we're very
1: intense, Chris. <laughs> we're very love intense. It.
2: But
3: um, if you but
1: this, I love.
3: <laughs> I will say if you ever want to understand the lyrics to every song in Sweeney, watch this production because Imelda knows how to enunciate. I'm looking at you, Patty Lapone. Oh, I love. Oh, I'm I love just love firing I shots. Love Patty. Like she I, you knows. know, she's Patti has star quality, but it's like I yeah I know. Oh, oh. I love it though.
1: It's so good. Like I I can't not imitate her when I now. I know here. she's. I've,
3: Fantastic. I'm going to get a text from Patty Lapone, like with her name already programmed into my phone that says, cut that shit out right now. Cut that shit out. Can I, mean, I say that word on here? Do we keep. I mean, she's our generation,
1: Mrs. Lovett. I would <sighs> say, like, she's what we. Probably associate
3: that I mean, 2005 revival Mrs. Lovett playing the tuba. Yes,
1: yes. <laughs> <laughs> a lot for Swifty Todd in this moment. Thought I would yeah. share that of Imelda.
0: One more uh, fun fact about Amelda: I have not seen. So she drew critical acclaim for the title role in Mike Lee's Vera Drake of 2004, and for Ooh. this role, she was nominated for Best yes. Actress, yes. Uh, Golden Globes, Green Actors Guild Award. So, I, I guess that's one of her best known she film
1: appearances. She is a working actor
0: who is now coming into the
1: like yes. renaissance of her career. I mean, she came out of. Um, is it Rada? I think that's how you they abbreviated it. Way of saying Royal Academy Dramatic Arts. Dramatic Arts. Yes. With like arms swinging, everyone. She was ready. She was like, put me in a rap company. Put me in. So she was known for being in, bouncing between different rap companies, um, cutting her teeth. And then this is we're like witnessing her at the beginning of her blowing up. Mm-hmm. Um. And now she's yes. successful, but she didn't gain the global success until like much later in her life, which much has- later as someone who just thinks about how old she is all the time now because <laughs> it's all i do I'm like, oh, that's exciting like i'm just here for these dames um especially when they come out of nowhere it feels like they never come out of they nowhere they never do this but- woman yeah it has been in the in in like a million productions yes. prior to this and it's just so cool to see wizard of oz was a part mm-hmm. of her journey with her husband yeah jim carter yes. not the president
0: <laughs> not just- <laughs> But who was playing the lion? Was he in the original cast or I couldn't figure it out?
3: Oh yeah. Hold on. I got the script right. Or that yes.
2: I've got the yes, he was. I've got the
3: original program. Yeah. He's. Ah, yeah. Because I think the only person I think she was like the only lead that changed between
2: Yeah. She was the only one that did not come back for the return engagement when they did the cast recording.
0: Oh wow.
1: Yeah, I wonder was I was trying to find what happened. Just like, was she like, no, I could see her being like I'm ready I'm, to move on. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old. Like I could just yeah. be like nah, this isn't it again. Or maybe she or
3: she's like here. I'm going to move to Hollywood and be a big star. Bye.
1: Yeah. Or I think, I think it was into the woods. I think Ooh. it made. Yeah. Years.
2: Like it was, oh, that was, she she went into the woods very soon after this. So she was she was in that transition from rep company to becoming a West End leading lady. Yeah. Right. Which
0: right.
1: Yeah, again, like if I didn't, I think I knew that Imelda Stoughton did musicals with the Gypsy production being something that they captured. So I think it was on Amazon Prime for a while. You Mm -hmm. could could view it. So I was like, oh my God, I didn't
0: know that she did this. Mm-hmm. She definitely does do this. She, like, this is where she started it. I know. I remember it's so funny how you're like, what? She's in music?" No, I become a basic and bitch. Then, no, me too. Oh i like, <laughs> like, oh, I have it backwards. Yeah. Like, Check she, yourself. She's <laughs> been doing this for quite some time. She has some, some Olivier's.
3: And there's, there's video out there of her singing over the rainbow and it's, yeah. it's there a is. respectable, I got it. respectable yeah. go. Like. Um, it really is. I'm glad that Jillian replaced her for the cast album. I think Jillian's voice is a little more of that jazzy sound we expect right. for Dorothy. Um, but Imelda was good.
0: Yeah.
2: She really was.
0: I think it's important, too, to note, Maybe since not. we're talking about British actors, they decided to use an American dialect.
3: Yes. Mm-hmm. which is Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, which
2: is written into the script. Some of the...
0: Have american dialect <laughs> we do your British there's
2: language. some definite phonetic yeah. phonetic spellings <laughs> yeah. in the libretto it's like oklahoma
3: when they have like you know all the words misspelled so that you pronounce them right yeah
1: that is so funny but we're like you know what i'm saying like we're like Peter, wendy myra angela, angela darling what's your
2: name? <laughs> yes we I will never forget so being a child actor being handed that Rodgers and Hammerstein script like as a little kid like here cold read Rodgers and Hammerstein and not having any idea because no one told me it was phonetic but that is very much in the RSE script there are some of those phonetic spellings that they go I in feel for like
3: that's like a trial and error you have to learn as a child actor they never tell you when you go into these auditions like listen we just learned to read like three years ago yeah
1: this is a lot yeah I'm
0: we overwhelmed.
1: We will definitely celebrate some of Amelda's take on this role on our Instagram. So yeah, come for sure. Check this on out. But I do have a quote by Miss Amelda Staunton about her time in The Wizard of Oz, which is kind of funny. There's like a little yeah. jaded there is, there sensibility. Is. She's just like, here we are, you know, type of a thing. Please read it but, in your British accent. Oh, no, I can't. I cannot touch it. <laughs> oh, I cannot. I cannot do it. I cannot touch Imelda. OK, it says, oh, it's just wonderful. You see all these cynical,
0: I'm doing it. She's <laughs> doing it. It's just coming. It. <laughs> <It's- laughs> I mean. You yes. can't read Imelda okay. without it. Don't okay. make me
1: sing. You see all these cynical actors going. The Tin Man gets a heart, she said, feigning tears. <sighs> Dorothy is beautifully innocent and vulnerable and vulnerable. But when there's any trouble, when she has to do something, she does. She does. I mean, yeah. Cynical actors. (laughs) I love that though. She's like, listen, like I know we're all a bunch of cynical actors getting together, but the show is making us come back to our youth. That's very sweet. Which is very, very sweet. I think another actor to note in this production is Billy Brown, who played the Wicked Witch of the West. Um, just one thing to get us going into Billy Brown, which I wish there was more on, OK, y'all? When I was trying to right, research Billy Brown, it was like, Millie Bobby Brown, do you want to yeah. know everything yeah. about the Stranger <laughs> Things star? And I was like, no, I don't. No. But I do I like mean, her. I mean, I do. She also is one, a name that gets thrown around a lot for playing Dorothy in this new oh. remake, which just I'd put be, out there. I'd be here for it. Um, but OK, so this is something that I believe, came from Kurt Raymond's research, which I really loved reading through on the whole, uh, Kurt Raymond has a whole page on like, if you want to do The Wizard of Oz. That a is a good article. Yes. It's I will just, link it. It's so intense in it's, the best way. Thor- it's thorough. thorough. Yes. That yeah, that's true. where We're I learned to, to stage the, the wizard. wizard. Yes.
2: Yes. It's like, this?
1: Yes. It's and fantastic. Like, here's what we mean when we say this version, blah, blah. It's really, really great. It kind I of breaks everything that. down. Okay. Um, so this comes from that. Judge, our director and judge, commended his cast and played down the significance of casting a man as the Wicked Witch of the West. Apparently Americans at the time were like, what is happening here? We were very of judgy of this course. choice. If we were doing this on Broadway, there would be a serious article in the New York Times saying how many times he's married <laughs> and how many children he has and a lot of hysteria. Here, there's no problem, he said. Billy's a big man, not even a camp hysterical one, which I find that to be, like they really allowed, it wasn't a mockery of the Wicked Witch of the West. It was an honest no. portrayal mm-hmm. just as a man doing it as a woman. Right. Which is very interesting. Um, and In it, the vein of
2: Edna Turnblad.
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great point. Um, Billy Brown was 35 at the time. He's an Australian actor. There's so much that I want to know about Billy Brown. It's a little hard to piece things together um, swiftly. Um, because again, I think his career would make more sense if we broke it down to someone who lives in Australia or lives in England since it was primarily there. But Jeffrey Rush was like his bestie. (laughs) I listened to Jeffrey Rush's speech of him when he passed and it's like heartbreaking. So that's really all I'm finding. There's a beautiful monologue of, um, Billy Brown doing, um, One of Shakespeare's most known soliloquies that's beautiful on YouTube that I watched and I was crying. He's beautiful. He's a stunning actor. But there's not much. There's a lot of remembrance because he passed in 2013 quite um, unexpectedly Uh. to cancer. I believe he was only 61. Um, But just to describe him a little bit as the Wicked Witch and Miss Gull, she had a dual role. Um, Six foot one, stocky brown, went for the comedic jugular playing the witch role in full glam drag queen mode. Not surprising for a UK performance, is something Kurt Raymond notes, the witch's appearance and costume featured a curly, big-haired, white blonde wig with one side pinned back, an elaborate black and purple ball gown with a dress-length bow in the back, and topped off with a matching eye patch. I love. love that. It. Bring back shadow. it. Bring it back to the book. Not worn in <laughs> promotional photos, though. However, <laughs> no, we're not going to scare or the. Or at their Olivier. Performance. We're not going yeah. to. We're not going to be confused for a pirate. <laughs> no. No. The patch was an ode to both Denslow and Baum's original literary witch characterization. Okay, so it's just a little bit about Billy Brown in this role. Um, also
0: nominated for an Olivier for this yes. role.
1: I mean, I watched a lot of the clips with Jillian Bevan, um, who would be our second year Dorothy, our cast recording Dorothy, who we'll talk about, um, because she is like, I'm trying to sound like Judy. Like, she's just giving us... <laughs> um, I love it. I love it too. Like, I'm like, I'm like, yes, you won the award of Judy.
3: Jumping back to Billy for a minute. I want to talk about like my weird acting sensibility as a teenage girl using (laughs) Billy as my like prototype. Anytime I was auditioning for an older British woman. That'd I didn't use amazing. an actual older British actress. I was like, I'm gonna use this drag queen wicked witch. Like
1: yes. <laughs> it's really good
3: for Trammy. I mean, soothing to the rip. smell.
1: Like
3: yes.
1: there's so many clips you can watch online of Billy Brown, which is very exciting. Most yes. scenes that the Wicked Witch is in They're there. are online, which is good to know. I'm trying to think of where this came from, but this is pretty interesting. I think this is from Kurt Raymond as well. Brown's hilarious turn both as The Witch and Miss Gulch reminds one now of a glammed up RuPaul's Drag Race contestant, <laughs> but with the personality reeking of both the late flamboyant entertainer Charles Nelson riley I love Charles <laughs> Nelson riley and Bette Midler at their 1970s campus. <laughs> Contemporary yeah. theatergoers do bat an eye at this, however, though this is where it mentions the American yeah. reviewers in town for the show complained that as funny as complained that as a funny drag queen the character of the wicked witch lost some of the evil that a woman or a man as margaret hamilton's scary characterization could have given the part okay. awesome.
3: can right. i turn to the libretto for just a second and say uh, i don't care how you play it but <laughs> i I, you, I think you know exactly what line i'm going for i don't care if you're playing it in drag telling dorothy The only way out is the window and the cliff is sheer. So if you do choose this route, my dear, leave the ruby slippers on the windowsill so so that I can save myself time from scraping them off of your corpse. Like, Uh, I don't care how you play that. That is going to terrify children. It's paraphrasing a little because I couldn't find it fast enough. The witch is violent in the RSC. She's like, "I'll, I'll scrape it off of your corpse. And like... You. you know, stuff like that. Oh, so <laughs> like, I don't care if you've got this British... Uh, it'll save me from having to scrape them off of your car!
0: That's even scarier! And, I, like,
3: really Billy was, like, six her. foot three or something yeah. like that, and here's Melda Stoughton, who's, like, five on the dot. Like, right. so, like...
1: Right. Listen, like, yeah. really trying to recreate Margaret Hamilton is not worth it. It's just don't not worth do it. it. Like, don't do it! I mean, I think... We'll see, we'll talk about this with, um, is it Deborah Winger?
2: Yes, Deborah Winger.
1: Deborah Winger in the Jewel concert, I only will call it that. In the, the jewel, jewel concert. concert. Um,
3: so this is a Jewel concert that had a Wizard of Oz theme. That yes, theme, that's yeah.
1: Much, that that's what is, it was, I, 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 right. I live for it. She, um, I think she does a decent job. Like she gives us a little, like Margaret, I think it's hard to lose some of Margaret's cadences, like right. with like the
0: poppy, right, like all right.
1: that kind of stuff is really it. challenging to leave out. So I'm like, okay, there's that version. And she was kind of trying. I mean, some of the ad-libs she did, I was like, mm, okay, girly. Like, we could we could have done a little better. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what?
0: They're- yeah. New, York, New <laughs> We're in New York York. So
1: Yeah, like some of the I was like, okay, she could have ad libbed better. But I appreciate that. Like I yeah. appreciate that that's where she strayed from the script a little right. bit. But this performance, yep. it's like witnessing what I would say, like witnessing Miss Trunchbull in yes. the tolda. Like, Yeah, <laughs> Like that. Um, which was played by a man in the original um, productions. I know a yes. lot of people have a lot of takes on this, like, okay, right. taking a known woman role away from a woman is a whole, it's a whole thing in itself. Um, I think now if we do this, then there has to just be a gender reverse the other way around too. So if you're going to make the witch a man, mm-hmm. make the tin Tin Man, a Tin Woman, right? Then I mean, that.
3: there was just that production at the Pittsburgh CLO where okay. the lion yes. was a woman.
1: Yes, I appreciate that. Like, yes, appreciate that so much. Like I,
2: the, the UK that. lately is doing it a lot too. I mean, just like look at me, I. Yeah, I mean,
3: look at me. I'm a woman who's made a career off of playing the Scarecrow.
0: Right, <laughs> right. Who says that Oz? Like you have? I mean, no, it's a Scarecrow. It's a lion. Like, why do they have to conform to?
3: Yeah, I was like. Scarecrow's only a he because the clothes were men's right. clothes, but it's an right. animated sack of straw. Like, right. yes.
1: <laughs> I think we can, we can bend the rules. <laughs> and I guess yeah. like, my point would be, like, if we're going to do... I'm here for all the cross-gender. Switch it up, like, please. Yeah. But to just put a little feminist spice, I guess, on it, if we're going to be changing classic female roles to a man, just change another one back.
2: Like, Maybe that's the fine.
1: Wizard. wizard, like, just that's fine but we do have to be I think aware of like you know that happening because I mean this is a this is a tricky place to navigate like men playing women what is the purpose is it for like a cheap laugh or is it to be like an iconic performance which this is Trunchbull I would vouch for I would vouch yeah. for this Wicked Witch of the West there are certain ones I, I'm like I don't know if we need that story the
3: with the witch you also gotta think this is the Royal Shakespeare Company. They're hearkening back to Shakespearean tradition. And,
2: and yes! beyond that, I think this is also the first time to really bring up, as, we, as we're as we getting into scene by scene and the, and the humor that goes into it, this is one of the very first basic principles of British holiday pantomime that they introduced into this adaption. In traditional British holiday pantomime, You have a trouser role and a dame, and the trouser role is the young, a young male character that is played by a woman who is dressed in clothes that do not hide the gender of the performer. That segues into how Peter Pan was done for a variety of other reasons, but along those lines, and you had the dame who was an older character, character female role played by a male performer. And that is a very important part of British holiday culture. And that, that is where that re- that thing really comes into the sensibility into what they did here.
1: Mm-hmm. Amazing. Do we want to say anything more on Billy Brown as an actor before getting into the script?
2: I'm not really sure what specific things you can, you can like really say about him other than like, this is just a brilliant, brilliant character actor. That brought a history of legitimate work and created something entirely different, took on one of the most iconic screen villains of all time, and was unabashed and unafraid in doing their own take on it. And again, that's another person working on this that took on a a heavy task and did it fearlessly.
1: Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, I... I wish, like, he's someone I'm like, I wish I knew you. I feel like I would want to be his friend. (laughs) I just love even reading his Wikipedia, which is wonderful. Uh, It just talks about his early start at the Queensland Theatre Company. Um, This is where he would meet Jeffrey Rush. He was openly gay his whole career, too, which, again, is an important important thing to say. In a time of the AIDS epidemic, at a time where closeted was what was more the acceptable the standard of the time so that's beautiful to know openly gay meant he probably had to deal with a lot of awkward interviews throughout his career yeah and yeah he so when he went abroad to britain from australia he would join the royal shakespeare company pretty much immediately um and they commissioned him to write and perform in his own that's um, a big
0: deal yeah
1: write and perform in their own play the swan down gloves um so that's yeah he considered that home um, and he would tour throughout Europe. He was
0: on Broadway in New York. Yes. Ian McKellen. He also was a visiting no big deal. professor
1: for a while at SUNY Newport. So he had a residency awesome. with, I think he, yeah, he was an artist in residence at the state university of New York in 1982. Um, he did, so much. he did so much. Like this is the kind of career I'm always like, this is it. He traveled the world. This is it. Oh, he yeah. the world. Um, and he would move back to Australia and live there permanently from 1996 on and become, um, A known actor in the Sydney, within um, the Sydney Theatre Company, Bell Shakespeare Company, Malthouse Theatre, Melbourne Theatre Company, Company B, State Theatre Company of South Australia, Marion Street Theatre, all these theatres. Everything. um, Doing, I think he did Spam a lot. He would be like their King Arthur over there. So he was like the go to character actor of Australia for stage stuff. For stage stuff. That's a really (laughs) great, great Stage stuff. Yes. It's sad that he, it seemed like his death was quite a shock to a lot of folks. Like people were heartbroken and there were so many honorings of him, which is beautiful. Has quite an extensive film career. Nothing that I'm like, oh, I recognize this except for the Chronicles of of Narnia. Narnia. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay, awesome. Yeah. So definitely want to explore more Billy Brown. I know we have some people written and test. like, are you going to talk about Billy Brown? I'm like, I will do my best. We will like, celebrate I am on a the huge Insta man. too. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Definitely we'll be there. All right, friends. Script time? Script yeah. time.
2: Script time. Oh, the
1: maiden voyage.
0: Oh, the maiden voyage. Through the Royal Shakespeare. The Royal Shakespeare. Well, I also wanted Script. to mention there were 20. 20- no more. No more. No more mentioning. No more mentioning. There were 26 <laughs> children cast as the Munchkins, ages 6 to 14. And they are
3: sure sh- our children on
1: that cast Six.
3: I wish that more community theater productions would cap at that, because as someone who's costumed this production, stop giving me 78 kids. <laughs> That's My yeah. max, I once did a production that had 93
2: Munchkins. Oh, no. I was like,
3: we do not need as many Munchkins as the MGM film had. Okay, I know they have 124, but we do not need, I think 30 is great. That's why as a costumer, I like the Muni. You can get away with like six.
2: Yeah. And where do you
3: put them?
1: That's the thing. Where's the the child Wrangler?
3: So every production I've done that have had like more than 30 Munchkins, we have like borrowed space and taken them across the street, out of the theater, or... (laughs) upstairs to the rehearsal hall. Like we had Munchkin's station in the rehearsal hall, the last production I did. And they just had like a day camp set up. So they'd come do their scene. Then they'd go upstairs. There was movies, board games, all that. It was quiet. You couldn't hear it. It was in a separate building from the actual house. And then they were brought back for curtain call. it was great. (laughs)
0: dreams of kids just chilling as well as special shout out millie who played toto who apparently when millie walked in they were like that is our toto can
1: i also just read her bio really quick so sorry it's too good millie toto millie is a three-year-old cairn terrier never pronounced things it's an
3: irish word so okay she was found
1: abandoned on the motorway and was about to be <gasps> put down when she was rescued by A1 animals who spotted her potential as an actress. What was she doing on that motorway everyone? <laughs> Please <laughs> mom, what was she doing? She has worked as a ph- photographic model, <laughs> appeared on TV in The Bill and Companion, and played the part of Toto in the RSC <laughs> The Wizard of Oz last year because this is my program from the after. Ah! Billy, one of Millie's eight puppies, is now one year old. He has appeared on television in (laughs) The Dark Angel and is now making his stage debut, understudying his mother in the role of. Stop. Understudying his mother. And that's all I have to say there.
0: Let's take a quick break to hear from Justin Peavy, a friend of the pod, over at the Wonderful Recap of Oz podcast. (laughs)
3: On May 17, 1900, the very first copies of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum were printed. Deemed one of America's first original fairy tales, the book has been adapted several times on the stage and screen. In the 120 years since the book was first published, 39 more official sequels were written, and The Land of Oz became the center of many films, scripts, and short stories, in and out of the canon. Join me, Justin Peavy, as I explore this iconic franchise, reading every book, taking a deep dive into some of the lesser-known installments, and comparing adaptations to their respective source material. The Wonderful Recap of Oz is now streaming on all major podcast platforms. For more info, you can follow me on social media at OzRecap.
0: Okay. Thank you so much for presenting. Let's start Miller. in the script. O oh, jeepers! <laughs> Here is our script. O oh, jeepers! O oh, jeepers! Start, <laughs> I, I would like to say, fun fact: when I played this role, I counted how many times I said oh, I think it was like nine. <sighs> oh, the it's a lot. It's, oh. a lot. it's a lot. A lot. A lot of "o's." So yes, Dorothy starts out with "o oh, jeepers." Total. We hear Toto barking off stage. Dorothy runs on stage in a checked dress. Make sure you have that that gingham. Uh, and this is pretty similar, they're running away from Miss Gulch, Toto has been angering Miss Gulch. I believe in the script it's also spelled differently.
3: G-U-L-T-C-H, yes. so I like it because it reminds me of Witch.
0: Ooh, oh, that's okay, fun. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. There's a whole extended scene with Aunt Em and Uncle Henry, they're not being very helpful. They Dorothy's can't get their attention because they're counting the chickens, the chicks, we have Zeke, Kunk, and Hickory. And I feel like that's a big difference. There's, like, a lot of dialogue with yeah. the three farmhands in this scene.
1: that wagon wheel add-on that we talked about with the mm-hmm. Lux Theater presentation, yeah. the radio presentation that yeah. comes on over here. So that's the first time we see that be introduced, this right. whole wagon wheel debacle of them trying to fix it, funny lines back and forth. Uncle Henry vocally contributes a lot more. Yeah. and He's there's more present. Yeah, there's, like, slight alter... Too like, they're talking about like spitting in Mrs. Gulch, M- Gulch's eye. Like these lines were never said before. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's the big change. Um, tell like us the crawlers are cookies.
0: We're very upset. Yes. We are very upset.
1: And is a little bit more, um, Oh man. She's just like, She's strict. She, has things, she has like, things to do. She's Her line of, a farm's no place for fun. If you want fun, go join the circus. I was like, womp, womp, and You're a downer,
0: Debbie Downer. downer.
1: <laughs> That's like the main things that yeah. I noticed being different here. Yeah. And also they were hinting at like the county sheriff having a drinking problem. Like, it's like little things like that. So I, was like, like, oh. I was like, interesting.
0: I read that they, they basically took this MGM script and they're like we're gonna keep all the main parts but we also have to flesh it out because it has to be longer so I think they you know they added little nods to other characters yeah it had to be longer yeah
1: Yeah. I agree
0: and hickory hunk and zeke all have their little lines of like I ain't a statue ain't you got no brains you gotta have some courage so that we get you know the premise that they will be transferring over to Oz but yeah any um other main points joey or zoe from this opening scene
2: i think right off the bat i you, they're, they're establishing you you're going to get a faithful adaptation, but we are not going to go word for word so it i i think that's actually a critical thing to set up for the audience when you're doing this because mm-hmm. people will say the dialogue along with you if you don't that is
4: right right. Um, right
3: another another key um changes. Miss Gulch notices that Toto's gone. She comes back and has a second scene. Um, yes. she is saying the latch on the basket's faulty. That's the last time I buy anything from a charity bazaar. Ch- you know, <laughs> yeah, which I will say, though, almost every production I've done has cut that because one, it's not really necessary. Two, you were taking out key time that she could be getting green. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> because that's
3: like right before the cyclone. Like, yeah. so it's
4: like...
1: Also, we don't Get need to do charities. Like, yeah, let's. We don't need to do that. But I do. She would like. She totally would say something like that. But
3: yeah.
1: I yeah. I was um. Something that stood out to me was the gentle people, being changed to gentle folk. It's gentle people that is right in the movie. I was like, why that? Like, yeah. just it be... They wanted her to sound more
3: country. I more country.
1: I, I, but I just hear, Clara, in my head saying, "Gentle yeah. people." That is. It's just that cadence. I was yeah. like. Oh, I hate when they do that. When it's just one word, I'm like, just freaking leave it. Mm.
3: Like, that's like, an I feel like, sense. I feel like they were trying to depart from how MGM kept everything. This is a barnyard, but it's a barnyard through the glamor of Hollywood. Right. right. True, right. right. Good point, Zoe. Good yeah. point. That's true.
4: Yeah. So I think yeah. they
3: were very much like, how would people in Kansas actually talk? I mean, they're not quite yeah. to the beauty of, come on, slow molasses. If, if the good Lord wanted me to say a mermaid, he'd have put it no, in the, car.
1: That. Like, that you know, like, yeah, you're not doing that. I'm not over and, that. And I think, Let them- farmhands are yeah. in this gulch's scene like they're more present in that i mean uncle henry says god damn it and he that
3: does sense, which I, I love like. that i every production i've done cut it of course except for one production where it was cut the guy never said it in rehearsal opening night i don't know if jitters or anything but he comes out get those horses loose god damn it and you see the conductor in the pit <laughs> like, I think the, the same, like his face is terrifying
0: i mean you i wouldn't think the say same that. thing happened when i did it we all were like this is like a youth production <laughs> what are you doing
1: yeah <laughs> we
3: not
0: drop it's startling
1: to hear yeah. god yeah. damn it
3: like it's well, just- in the midwest in the midwest that's the worst swear you could have
1: right the worst right. f
3: bomb and do rent but don't you dare say gd
2: right true right. yeah. no, sure yeah. <laughs> I, I do think that's yeah like that's the thing like they Uncle Henry gets more of a backbone than he ever has in any other version of the show. Right. He he really steps up. And as you said, bringing the farmhands into the Miss Gulch scene, Dorothy tries to run away. They stop her. They take Toto away from her. It's, it's much more pointed. It's much more involved. Dorothy's sense of betrayal and the need to run away from her family is a lot more present. Yeah. They go in a lot harder on setting up the fact that Antem is going to double as Glinda.
3: Yes, Yes. the wand. What was I
2: supposed to do? Wave a magic wand? Wave a magic wand. We yeah
0: also get the, the extended intro to over the rainbow she yes, has that additional that. Exactly. which i love Ooh, I, I
1: love personally. it too i love it on stage and also dorothy <laughs> gets this kevin McAllister moment listen y'all everything comes back to home alone okay <laughs> this
0: so is she basically
1: has, a home alone podcast. she does have that moment of like i never want to see any of you again right like, she has that moment and everyone's
0: against her which it i don't know yeah. if I'm
1: like y'all i'm not here i'm not all here for it and not all against it i'm somewhere falling in the middle which I think maybe you can help me understand my feelings on this because I found the Marvel scene to not be as effective after this because, like, she was so lash-outy before. Like, so I'm like, she wouldn't want to go home right now. Like, it would take a lot of convincing. And they do put dialogue in more. They do add more dialogue of her being like, but they I don't want to see her again. Like, they do add that back in. Yeah. Like, like this doesn't matter. Like, she is sick right She's now. Sick. You know, like, he gets her to go back. I just feel very mixed. I feel like, A, that is a way a, teenage, a teenager would react. Yeah. She would be like, I never want to see You're you very again. very back and forth. I get that. Oh. Like, definitely that angsty side um, could be there. But I also think it kind of does something I don't love to the Marvel scene, because she's more like, I don't know. Like, it, it made that scene have to be fleshed out more. And I don't know if it needed to
3: be. Um, Marvel feels very therapist. Yeah, Like, what do you see in the crystal? All I see is a woman that loves you something terrible and is doing the best she can. Like she can. it's yeah. very much your parents make mistakes; they're doing the best they can. Which um, is a cool point. I don't know.
1: I just am like confused. I didn't love that we saw Dorothy get that nasty. Of, like I like she's like an I hate you land, which I was like, oh, like it's a little far. It's a little far. It's a little bit like what they did with the Whiz remake too. Like they made her go pretty far again. I,
3: I think it's how it's played. Cause I have done the show with Dorothy's who are too mean in that scene. right? And then, um, one of my favorite Dorothy's and I mean, I hate to play favorites, but she's been my Dorothy in spirit of Oz for 10 years now. Um, the way she <laughs> played the scene was very Dorothy's trying to convince herself that running away is the thing to do. So she would do the line like, well, I don't care. She, she doesn't care about me at all. Like, like, I don't know. I, that's a bad reproduction of her oh, performance. She's yeah. doing doing very like, my feelings are hurt and she doesn't care about me, right? I'm running away. Right. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, that's it's what I'm doing. More.
0: It feels like As a it very, it feels true to a younger teenage preteen does. girl.
3: Yeah, I a- think it works better if your Dorothy is like believably 12 to 14. Right. I think yeah. when you get like, I've had Dorothy's in their 20s who do play a very, well, I don't care about her at all.
0: Right.
1: You know what mean? So like, like, I think I just can't see Judy like doing it. And that's, that's me just being like, it all comes obsessed tonight. with the movie and like it just be like yeah. oh, like trying to imagine judy saying those things is not the way to do this like i shouldn't do that with my brain like just leave it that's not this isn't for judy Ooh. this is for the stage production
4: this is for
3: 40 year old amelda stanton yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't think she was exactly. that old
1: yeah. it is who would be very annoyed in this yeah. moment
0: Okay. So we have Professor Marvel. We get the big twister scene. Aunt Em, we get a moment. We can't leave her out there, which thank you. I feel like before they're always <laughs> just like, whatever. But at least Aunt Em is like, what about Dorothy? Like there's a little bit more. Well, and, and
3: Uncle like, Henry having that line, like there's nothing we can do. Right? Um, that reminds me, you know, I think the change in Uncle Henry being more uh, in this version, that more like protective outspoken, I think it's hearkening to the fact that he becomes the guard in the Emerald City.
4: Right. right. Yeah.
3: So I think they're making him this protector character. I think him and M are both very much the protector characters. He's yes. the physical protection. She's the good witch. You're you right. know, Yeah.
0: I really like him being more, being stronger in this version.
3: Yeah. I mean, Charlie Grapewin was like, I,
0: was with him. like he was
3: 80. <laughs> He's just sitting in that chair scratching his head like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Just
2: wonderfully passive.
0: Wonderfully passive. A day at work. Mm-hmm. We get stage direction. Spotlights pick out various objects and people as they giddily circle the bedroom. First a chicken coop with a couple of chickens sitting on top, then an uprooted tree and a telegraph pole, which will come back later. A cow yes. passes. In a Dark. G- I know, right? The cow <laughs> passes apparently floating on its back. It moves loudly.
3: <laughs> I gotta
2: go, Julia. We got cows.
0: <laughs> Twister reference. Uh, and how I appreciate does- that. And how does the tornado scene end? Is there like a miniature? Is this where there's a miniature house? It could fly that we over see? the audience. I think that was yeah.
1: happening. It was okay. flying over the audience. So I think people would be distracted. Oh, right, right, right. It being like in the audience. And then they were doing everything they could to change the yeah. stage over. Yeah.
3: Okay. Now, awesome. one cool effect that we did in a production I did that I liked is as we went to Blackout, the witch was still visible on her broom. And. The light started dimming, and then her broom shoots backwards behind the house. And she stuck out her feet, and she had the slippers.
0: Stop! That's so,
3: <laughs> so I'm like, like it. it would make sense that as the tornado stops, you know, the gravitational pull and the suction would. Because I'm team. That's Witch of the East in the cyclone. Say what you want.
1: It's Witch of the
3: East. Don't at me. the under the house.
1: I agree. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I'm with you with that, on that one, yeah, too. Yeah,
0: that's a great realization. Our
1: Munchkinland scene feels like it's pretty much intact. It feels like very similar. I'm like, similar. Get, get it, Noel Langley. This was, like, what stayed in for Noel Langley. Like, it never really yeah. got... No one Fs with this scene. It's classic. Except they it's add so, the blue so color. Like, Munchkins love mm-hmm. the color blue. That is love the that one ad. thing that, like, really stood out to me in this opening. Yeah. It C- makes designing
3: the costume so easy. Just make everything blue,
1: and then like the this is pretty much intact. Like I don't feel like we ha- we could we could stay here for too long. I right. mean I'm obsessed. The witch arrives. I must give a shout out. Where is she? Joyce Joyce? Is that her name? I'm recording. I have some notes just I listened to the cast album. Oh <laughs> uh, I, I
3: think reading it's reading ooh, hold on, I got the program. It's Joyce Grant. Am I correct? Um the original production was Dillis Lay.
1: Yes, and Joyce, Joyce Grant is the one who's on the recording. And I'm like, yeah, okay, like, hi, Glindia child. Like, it's definitely Julia. Oh my
2: gosh, time. you are so... Yeah, and... Completely. Uh,
3: it's so- but I love that they dressed her more like the Good Witch of the North, Lacosto, rather yeah. than Glinda, yeah. the the pink fairy queen. Yes, she's the right. yeah.
1: traditional, like, book witch. Yeah. And the, the, when she took over, I'm not quite sure if that was the same in the Imelda Stanton. Staunton, what am I saying? Imelda Staunton. I'm not quite sure if it was the same design, was it? Do we know? I
3: think it was fairly close. Yes. There's actually a picture of her. Similar. There's a picture of her in an unfinished skirt in the program. And it almost looks like the design of Glinda from Wicked. Like it has like the scalloped petals on the skirt.
4: Ooh. But I think it
3: was still the white hat. I mean, yeah. you need something that's quicker to get into. And this like white robe thing probably just went over the original anthem costume.
1: You're probably right. Because
3: She's only got four minutes. Like... There oh, she is. Yeah. Yes. So it's like it's like a hybrid of book Witch of the North and Glinda from the MGM. Yes. Yeah. Oh
4: good.
3: Yes.
1: We need to. I up. just can't handle her voice on the recording. I mean, her singing oh. optimistic voices is like
3: Yo, <laughs> you're out
1: of
3: the night. Her tease, her her like consonants. You're out of the night. I'm
1: like, <laughs> stepping into <laughs> like,
3: no or not just
1: it. go for it like that I, is fantastic i mean to speak about last night i was listening to the company the original cast album with my with my husband um just to have a moment with stephen sondheim again and we were saying though like you don't get this kind of diversity of voices anymore like you just don't get wow. like this like almost um, like there's pedestrian sounding singers that are mm-hmm. mixed in with operatic tones no, not now now you got to be
0: like an olympic singer not everyone
1: <laughs> is placed in this like mixy screechy place that right. now we like thrive in like right. it's like all over the place and i appreciate a little bit this Glenda's voice so but i did laugh watching her optimistic <laughs> voices i was like we are not singing we're just screaming this you song. know what she made it work. yeah but it's very very funny oh and just to comment i forgot to comment on Jillian Blevin, who's on the recording, um, who, I mean, she's so good. She is Judy Shimmer. I I said her voice feels like fabric softener. Like that was the Mm -hmm. only way I could like describe it. It feels a little put on that we're trying to sound like Judy, but I'll take it. It also works. Yes. And I love her. Her verse intro,
3: it's so. Beautiful. I
0: know it's so good. It's
1: I'm
3: so here beautiful. for the verses. Always the verses. Always the reprises. Always. Right? I we love a lot of reprises in this production. I love all the verses. So many. I love them.
0: So
2: I love much. a okay. reprise.
1: Back on track. Back on track.
3: Yeah. So the one thing that they do change here is when the Wicked Witch shows. That's when the script starts departing a little yes. bit. it right, does. Right, right.
1: It does depart. Yeah. I saw that, like fiddle faddle instead of rubbish for Glinda. Fiddle, I was faddle. like, oh, we're tra- we're changing that, like smart, Alan
3: really British.
1: Who's the smart um, aleck yeah. that turned her into and a
3: house? Yes. I love, I kind of love the comedy bits for the witch. If you play it right, it can still be menacing. Yeah. But yeah. you know, I dropped my house dropped on her. You dropped your house on my sister. Well, little miss clumsy. Yeah.
1: Well, I also think she is, I think there could be a way a take on her that is like, look, I'm with it. I know. <laughs> I know the lingo. You smart aleck. I know the but lingo. She's not like, she's clearly like, you're outdated, Mama. Who but would like, wear
0: ruby slippers with those socks?
3: I love that line. <laughs> like, she's like, yeah.
1: I love like, I kind of love that about her. That it, that's very much. It's shown. great. I think all her added lines are wonderful. I think the yep. scene is great. Yeah, she gets a lot of her, her characters. My
3: voice. only complaint is taking the Wicked Witch's most iconic line and adding an extra word.
4: Agreed. She says,
3: "I'll get you eventually, my pretty." I'm like, we don't need the eventually. We don't, need don't
1: need it stop that's what that i'm talking about musicality it's the cadence stuff for me that i just get annoyed with i'm like yeah. just let it be because like this is like let the classic listening of this still be preserved right. don't mess with it yeah so
2: good the, od- the audience needs that
1: yes right. i agree it just messes with it like in a way that
0: is not necessary right.
2: it's we like- deserve right lines <laughs> <That is> what-
0: <laughs> So we go into Scarecrow. Yes, we get follow the Elberick Road. We get the Scarecrow scene, which feels very similar until there are crows that arrive. Yes, interactive crows, interacting <laughs> crows that are t- taunting and teasing him, and he gets into a song. And this is different. Said a Scarecrow, sitting on a pole. I love that.
2: Part. To a
3: blackbird. This is my life. Like we yes. are in my living room now. Like,
0: <laughs> yes, tell us. I like.
3: I actually kind of like. Whenever I do a festival out, I'm like, ah, I don't have my backup singers. That's the great thing about doing the show live is like backup singers.
1: I like all of the interactions (laughs) with the like tiny little chorus moments within these songs. I think it it
0: gives people more actors a chance to be on stage. Yeah. And like these
1: songs are short, like they do need to be extended. And I think they extended beautifully. And the fact that we were talking about this last time, these are all, it's all original material just being stitched back on.
3: Right. Correct yeah yes. for the most part and like i love it too. right the muni, yeah. the muni productions did it yeah yeah the muni yep. had some of those verses and then i also love it because they have a more finite ending because in the final film we see that they cut before that dance break so if i only had a brain really doesn't have an end it's just he falls and it stops, it just stops. um right. there's like a neat little like lilty like part with Dorothy in the RSC, you know, and then there's, they do this little dance break, like a real do, 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 If I only had a brain, boom, yes. except need on run. the cast album, where they have him do a quick repeat of a phrase and then go into a belt. And I once did a production where they're like, we're going to put the cast album ending on. I'm like, okay, well you just had me do like a three minute dance break. And now you want me to belt to a G. Thanks. <laughs> Cause it comes back and it's like, I would dance and be merry life would be doing a dairy if I only, and it has this build with the crows only, only, only had a brain, And I'm like, I'm not belting a G right now. So uh, yeah, you're gonna that's, float. Uh,
0: that's a lot. That's intense. Yeah. That's
3: the, it's like, Here's a G and then fall. And it's like, no, I really am dying right now. And then yeah. Dialogue.
2: And <laughs> structurally just to, to comment on the structure of how they did that. If you look, you know, if I only had a brain, heart, nerve, same song, same music built the same way. Right. And this, they, br- they bring in the crows to be that backup course for the scarecrow, just like they do the apple trees for the titman and then the three friends for the lion. They very much build on that and that consistency and establishing that pattern, which I also really appreciate them doing.
0: Yeah, it's the pattern, it's keeping it consistent.
1: You know what? I don't know if I appreciate, it though, is this whole hate eating scene that happens afterwards with Scarecrow. Oh, I it's love so it. awkward. It's I love it. Also, <laughs> this is awkward. I love it because it's very much in the book. Like he would say that. He would be like, eat yeah. my hay. She's like, I know yeah. I, yeah. I know it you was as much of my like,
3: hay as you'd like.
1: Yeah. I was like, Scarecrow's <laughs> like, you can eat me, Dorothy. Like, that's what it feels like, which I'm like, he was like I,
3: I would always play it so goofy that when Dorothy's like, I don't <laughs> eat hay, I would always play Scarecrows almost embarrassed to be like, if I had thought this through, so it'd be like, Dorothy would be like, I don't eat hay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or oh
1: no, that's yeah. That's I get. I get it. Like I get why this scene is there. I also love the nod to the field mouse that is know, like yes, cute. that is harboring in the scarecrow's body, that which is super sweet. sweet. That is sweet. um, but it is like a very. It feels very bombian. This is like a it very does. much a does put in like. We are talking about Dorothy's hunger and how she needs to eat. And of course the scarecrow offers himself up as a snack, (laughs) which is just like odd. I think it's just odd in like, Oh, this is a very odd moment. And
3: and the rationale of it doesn't matter what shape I'm in up top. As long as my legs are still stuffed, I can get to the Emerald city.
1: That's it. That is it. And then we get into the bad joke apple trees.
0: Yeah, we get, we get our first, <laughs> before that, we get our first off to see the wizard. Oh, the yes, the yes, crows yes. have their little moment. I'm going to miss that old their tag. Yes. He's too much of a stuffed shirt.
3: So, yeah, I love the little tag at the yep. end. Yeah, now we we off the up. pole, he's not nearly so stuck up. Ca, ca, ca. I, mean, I, I think it's the Australian version that gives them that in rhythm.
0: Yes. <laughs> and the same thing happens with apple trees. When we sneak
1: in for this scene, so we have the apple tree <laughs> moment um, is similar add it more lines. Um and I I mean they get accused of wood lice by the scarecrow and this whole <laughs> this whole yes. uh, this whole little kind of like standoff that they have between each other. But they do once they reawaken the tin man, they do sneak in the backstory of the mun- mm-hmm. munchkin maiden. Yeah. And I love the moment where he's like, I was carving her name on a tree. Like there's sweet little things that mm-hmm. that are really great. And then the trees of course coming into sync yeah um, with the tin man this extended dance break the tin man gets which is really really sweet yeah. and dorothy singing too she sings the you can stay young and chipper she's a part she has little of moments. the song mm-hmm. as well and they also allow the tin man to identify when the wicked witch comes back that she's the <laughs> one who put the spell her. on his axe so they have a history
2: which yeah
1: is really great i mean this scene i think they did a nice job i like that the they brought back the backstory yeah I I,
3: they- yeah my autistic self, though, is always like, "But it was her sister that put the spell on the air. I
1: know she lived there. <laughs> she lived there. Excuse that, me. That yeah. was her land. I mean, maybe w- Wicked Witch of the West was visiting at the time. Right. Maybe they were doing like a ruby <laughs> slipper um, negotiation deal
3: yeah.
1: right. at that time, or maybe they
3: just look so much alike. You know, they're sisters. Right. He's they're twins. Close.
0: He's confused. He's accusing wrong. <laughs> no, the witch no, stole the The trees have their moment, their little tag as well. If I grew in that wild forest, I'd be petrified.
2: (laughs) Dad jokes for days.
0: I know. Dad jokes. (laughs) Then we have our lions, tigers, and bears. And our lion comes in. This is, this is very similar. Very similar. Yeah. Although
3: it broadcast Lion King. Yes. like People people always say, oh, you added a Lion King reference. I'm like, no, this was in the script in 87. Right. This right. is the whole, from yeah. this. the whole, like, my father took me up to the top of a mountain and said, someday, oh, this all yours. this will be yours. All this will be yours.
4: And this it predates
1: has. Lion King. Oh like, What? It does. But it's like, so similar. what, five, six, like six years? It's a coincidence and people do these things because coincidences aren't a thing. They're not a thing. (laughs) Now that
0: it's post Lion King, we probably all everyone who sees it thinks it was
2: associates it. it.
0: No,
1: but it's it's you hear it here. It's in the original source material which predates Lion King. Yeah, I love this cute little um quick cub anecdote that's added in. Again, like they all get a little backstory. The only one who doesn't is the scarecrow doesn't talk about like the munchkin farmer who made him. That's like the only one who doesn't. Right. But he gets that hay eating scene, so we're good. Yeah.
0: We get If I Only Had the Noive, Off to See the Wizard, and then we're right into Poppies.
1: Which has, like, the new lyrics are added on. I mean, I will also say with Nathan Lane's performance, which we'll get into with the concert. Um the Oh, my God. I love when he punches out the rabbit. That, like, made me laugh so hard. <laughs> <laughs> he, like, really punches that out. So when yeah. the rabbits come back up in King of the Forest, that the rabbits will, like, you know, bow down to him it it actually like stuck out to me i was like oh he has a fear yeah he has beef with rabbits beef
0: with rabbits like
1: he's got a really big fear of rabbits and he yeah. will definitely learn to tame yes these rabbits i don't know that really stood out to me but the, yeah. i like also the new agreed the new um lyrics that are in this too with um i think it gives him more opportunity to sing about his fear which is great mm-hmm. yeah
0: Getting into poppies, uh, a dozen actors wear cloaks, which are in fact circular on the outside. They're green and covered with poppies, but inside they're white and covered with snowflake designs so that they can twirl them around, which is what we did when I was in the show.
3: (laughs) For every poppy.
0: And it's one of my favorite moments. I love that transformation. Yeah. They all fall asleep. Dorothy falls asleep. Toto falls asleep. Lion falls asleep. Glinda appears and she creates the snow to wake everyone up. Her white magic. Her white magic,
1: yeah. it's <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I love this, that you could watch this because it was their Olivier Award yeah, performance. It's so good. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's very much like Busby Berkeley, old Hollywood flashiness. Yeah. Um, like beautiful costumes on parade with men in white suits and top hats being the white magic. Like they do like a little nod to her. Like and they're yeah.
3: just- described in the script as snowmen, and I don't sure. think they were very clear enough. These are men who are snow, not snow. First time I read the script, I was seeing a bunch of like
2: frosty. Right. These Frosties are not <laughs> <monsters>. <laughs> la, 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 la,
4: la, la, la. Oh, oh my gosh. Can you imagine?
2: And, but and I do think this scene is really also where they start bringing in the adult humor that's going to go over the heads of the children. Right, yeah. if, you, if you watch that wonderful Olivier Awards performance, wow. you know, when. When we're talking about poppies and sniffing the poppies, the Wicked Witches sniffing poppers. And there's more racy jokes about where the Tin Man's oil can has ended up. That's while they're right. looking for Common. it. Right. Right,
1: right, right. right, right. I love love exactly right. I love her monologue, too, that gets us into this scene. Because that's pretty much all new. Like, we have the traditional moments yeah. that we know. But I love when she calls... Poppy's a lethal lullaby. It was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that, I think it's all again. This is another one. I'm like, check plus. Royal Shakespeare
3: Company. Yes.
1: They also yeah. bring in
3: that uh, villain Hubris, where she's like, should I smash them out like the interfering bugs they are, or be witty and creative? And she chooses witty and creative, creative. and it fails her because she thought, oh, I'm going to get really big and gloat with it, and then, well. Yeah, you got messed up
1: right. <laughs> she's totally a cat who likes to like play with her mouse like that's what we get like she just wants to like hit at it you know instead of yeah like, it in her instead mouth of doing
0: this and the killing it. shot yeah yeah right i love that we get optimistic voices off to see the wizard again end of act one as they see the emerald city
3: yeah. and i love the big version of off to see the wizard with yes. the rounds we're off to see. We're it's off built. to oh, It's
0: guys.
1: epic. I love uh, it.
3: I, that's one of my favorite music cues leading into that big. Oh,
0: yes. oh.
3: Like mm-hmm. it's such a theatrical act one. Boom. Yeah. End. This
0: is like how the end of an act should be in my opinion. It gives
3: you Where change. is the Muni? It's just them doing the traditional off to see the wizard, but skating.
0: Skating <laughs> arms. <laughs> Act two, we get optimistic voices again. We pretty much pick up where we left off. They're all looking up at the Emerald City. There's the whole scene that is pretty similar where they who rang that bell with the guard. Yeah. And then we get Merry Old Land of Oz, but there are new lyrics in the beginning. There's a garden spot, I'm told, where it's never too hot and never too cold. I kind of like oh,
3: you're never too young, too, and you're never too never old. Too old.
4: Or you're never
3: you're too, thin. Thin too thin or tall. <laughs> I love I love that opening. It makes it so much grander when it leads yes. into that big orchestral build as the gates open and they're yes. revealed. I love it.
0: It's very sweet. It's a very sweet sweet moment.
3: Also, so much more for the chorus to do in this show compared to the Muni because it's also everything's in an SATB split. Yes, and some parts it goes to yeah. six part, six to eight part, depending yeah. on what it is.
2: Yeah.
1: I have to say this. I forgot to say this. Tell us. I was just looking at my musical notes because I love the Emerald City, like elongated, yes. swanky, jazzy dance break. Yes. I love it so much. But I have to comment on this. I was not ready for Jillian Blevins to go up the octave on if the wizard is a wizard.
0: wizard is <laughs> like her just
1: being so the, what is that line? I'm sorry, I'm messing
0: it up. If the wizard is a wizard, who will Yes, serve?
1: Who that's will it. Serve? Her going up the octave on that. I was like, okay, girl. I love it. <laughs> yeah, up. I just had, I had to say that because I was not ready for it. And it's
3: an alto roll, so how many Dorothys look at that and just go, no? If
1: yeah. it is a wizard, who will, will serve?
2: serve.
1: She's like, nope, up the octave everyone. I love it. Option okay. up.
2: Yes. And as we get into the Emerald City, I talking about the book, I love that the RSC bought in the green glasses in the original production.
4: Yes.
0: Yes.
2: And and design wise, they based their Munchkin land on Hollywood. And there was the giant Hollywood land sign that said Munchkin land. And now you get to the Emerald City, which was very much inspired by Art Deco New York City and the Chrysler building, as you can see in the logo. Yeah,
0: you're so right. I love it. Oh.
1: they're just
3: like in case you forgot this is an American show this is a salute to American cinema
0: salute right. here you go yeah love it yeah love that scene then we get our sky riding surrender Dorothy moment which leads us straight into King of the Forest
1: mm-hmm. slight changes like slight like new ensemble takes uh-huh they, we could hear yeah. some of the original MGM cast even doing some of those um, mm-hmm. when they were workshopping the ending of that song so mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. again you're just, right they're just going back to different versions
0: you're right king of the forest yep we get the moment of the the wizard is not going to see you and dorothy is i get we get more of that like angsty teen emotional moment mm-hmm. auntie m was so good to me i never appreciated it i'm never going to get home and that affects the guard and he lets them enter
1: yeah I, this is one of the first times i actually questioned i was like, whoa, like this is the changing moment. This is a big and moment. It's all on this guard who is just emotionally. Yeah. Right. But I was like, whoa, like, why is, why is this it for him? That makes him be like, oh, okay, you should see him. I just, that's where I was like, oh, I want backstory here. I yeah. want to understand like, why I, is this a huge moment for you? Right.
3: I think it's because like, it's, there's a child crying now. Now there are these higher stakes and like in the original film, messenger. something yeah, well, and in the original film, I strongly believe that all those Frank Morgan characters are the wizard in disguise. Okay. And yeah. that's how he knows yeah. what's going on. So I think to him, he's like denying them because he knows he doesn't have magic. Like, oh shoot. And he's like, shoot, okay, I have to at least let you talk to me, but then I'll send you off so you get murdered. Okay. We'll <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> he's a mess. Yeah, I love that. I like I, I like thinking of Frank Morgan in disguise right. too.
3: Right. but it doesn't make sense here because it's a different actor it's uncle henry
1: right, right. right. which i like yeah yeah it works too the it feels like the big changes here in the this is pretty much on point yeah. this throne room scene it's is on very point. similar um the lion is just more teetering on coming or not yeah he has the more aftermath to <laughs> like he's definitely more hesitant and it's definitely for laughs it's definitely yeah. for comedic involvement um but every because there, there's this kind of like aftermath scene where the guard is like, this is the way you go right. to to." there's no yellow brick road. She'll find you. I always yes. love when that's sad. Because that's totally
3: yeah.
1: like she'll find you. Don't worry. Just tr- go to the sun. Go this way. These mm-hmm.
3: like, are good luck and pieces out immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Yes.
1: And then we get into our jitterbug yeah scene coming up with the wicked witch yeah
0: the witch has a moment where she's pulling petals off of a poppy i hate her i hate her not i hate I her not
2: it, right i hate her
0: i hate her not the winkies are singing our yo yo yo-ho they try to
1: like get like a what does that mean but they're like yeah, they don't really. Oh,
3: it's an like, old Winky marching song. song. Right. No, we we, we, oh. we. I love. I just kind of like love her. Like next time I decide to take over an entire nation, I should check their intelligence
2: first. Right. The first. They
1: also, right. I think, yeah. they the guard a little bit more than you've killed her. Like they're like you killed give him, him a little bit more than this scene here. Just right. So you know who
2: he is.
3: Well, yeah. And she also calls in Nico earlier and consults oh. Nico because Nico's like, we can't just go take these kids Kids, you know, you got to do like, she's like, okay, so, oh, a jitterbug. And even Nico knows what that means. And he's like chattering and doing monkey noises. <laughs> like, I'm yes. scared.
0: Yes. I really like the witch's little mini monologue here of like, I'll conjure up a spell to take the fight out of her. Which of my creepy, crawly creation shall I send to plague her? The give gibbet? No. The fly by night? No
1: the
3: jitterbug. Yeah, let's three. <laughs> I always hear the the Ertha Kit dun, dun, like kicking uh, in. Yeah. Oh, Eartha Kit.
1: I have her cued for later. We'll yeah. To <laughs> a
2: taste it.
3: good. Um, I also love her soon the Ruby Slippers will grace my dainty little feet and like in the the script I think says that she pulls up her skirt and she's got this giant fake foot. Oh my yes. god. Yeah. I've also had them say like I've seen actresses say, my graceful feet, and then like snaps off her heel and kind of like saunters off stage. Like, that's
1: great. I love
3: it. <laughs> I love, yeah,
1: I love the moment that's in the script with yeah. her having like I a- if
3: those <laughs> winkies do shoe repair. Yes,
0: yes, yes.
1: <laughs>
3: yep.
0: And then we're in the Haunted Forest and we have the whole extended jitterbug song. There's a reprise, there's a whole dance. It's extensive and I, exhausting. I
3: think it's creepy how the jitterbugs at the end of the song screen come and get them at the sky, and then that's. The cue for the monkeys and monkeys.
1: then so many, your turn.
3: So many dad jokes yeah. in that dialogue, too. The whole I'm suffering from metal fatigue. Oh let's yeah. let's, let's sit this one out.
4: A little
3: Look bit at funny. the size of them boys.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Those
3: are birds, they're monkeys. Everyone <laughs> on stage in unison, flying flying monkeys. monkeys. That is right there. That's pantomime. Like, yes, you're Because right. I'm sure what it was is the monkeys probably weren't actually flying. So they're like, look up flying monkeys, and then the monkeys come bounding in from the window. That's like, so. Funny. I do
1: love how like the Tin Man th- that's left in, like he gets snatched and taken. I was like, oh, so we gotta fly the Tin Man in this scene? You just made that. You a just necessity, made that for yourself. Unless people just cut it, I assume if they can't do it. I just thought it was funny that they left that. I was like, oh, I probably would have cut special that effect.
3: <laughs> they yeah. also yes. Uh, they also leave the weapons from the film, but they have the jitterbugs actually. We see the jitterbugs steal the weapons, weapons take which them, which is as what was supposed that. to happen in the film, and just yeah. suddenly they're gone.
1: I also like that there yeah. were prior signs too. Than the then the, uh, then the um, I turn back of I were you. There were some yeah. prior signs that they saw yeah. that they mentioned as as a lead up. Again, yeah, the missing thing of threes in the script yes. is so insane. Like we all know, like we're all theater people. Like comedy comes in threes, but it's they do a masterclass. I guess do it, in that, like and they they do do it again. again
2: the entire time. There's yeah.
3: three yeah. This is the, the sign that said, uh, uh, which is castle one mile. No, yeah. I mean the one that says, if you've gone this far, you're lost. <laughs>
0: and
1: then we get our classic sign, which is I'm like, okay, cool. Like I don't mind. I don't mind that either. Yeah.
0: Adam Why not? Our flying monkeys take Dorothy <laughs> and Toto away. The scarecrow's straws scattered all over, which is kind of uh-huh. cool to see done on stage. They, they have to go sort of fix him and they tell the lion, Hey, you're leading us now, which he's not too excited about doing no <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's really not
0: no fuck
4: no. me out of it
0: and now here we get the witch's castle the witch is going to throw toto into the river which prompts dorothy to or eat him Ooh. she also like, yeah jokes about like feast
2: yeah. on devil dog.
0: right yeah there's like a lot of like food scary see is be who said that this witch is not scary enough come on
2: yeah
3: is he yeah. a water breed? He better be, because that's where we're gonna throw him. If that's you don't, know, like,
1: yeah, he loves it. There's joy and yeah. the torture, terrifying.
2: Yeah.
0: Which prompts Dorothy?
2: She to just stay. relishes every moment.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, and this is also the corpse scra- scraping the slippers off the corpse scene. Yes. Oh yeah, that's coming. Yeah.
0: Out. These scenes are scary. Not gonna lie. Uh, the witch reaches for Dorothy's slippers. That does not work out. Toto ends up running away, and then this is where Dorothy sees Aunt M in the crystal ball. Which is a cool special effect that did not work once when I was on stage, and it was quite <laughs> I like that they- You I saw like, her. I saw her in my imagination. That's all that yeah. matters. Yeah, that's all that matters. <laughs> this is, I like that That this moment is there. It's, yeah. it's emotional. Yeah. Yes. We cut to Lion Scarecrow Tin Man. They are concocting a plan. They decide they're going to steal the Winky uniforms, and we get that little Winky scuffle and costume change on, on stage, which is super cute. And then we have our Over the Rainbow reprise. She's back. Which I am so happy about.
1: But I love we it. Did not, we did not give the note that we gave to Judy Garland to like completely trash <laughs> completely our hearts. Like down. just like squeeze our hearts, make them like right. turn into putty. They were you like make them bleed. Stop. Yeah. It's like, let's right. soften it a bit. Okay. Right. Well done. I yeah. think in this version. I like where
0: it sits. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: We right. are also officially into only musical reprises till the end of the show.
0: Right, you're right. yes,
2: that's all we have now.
0: All we have. <laughs> There's really not been many right. songs after Ditterbug, That
1: that is it. I also love that's that it. they brought back in like this little aftermath moment once the friends come, come in to rescue. Yes. They try to do the I hope my tail holds out. Oh, <laughs> They try to like, oh my they goodness. try to like yeah. all that back in, which I was like, oh, that's cute. Like yeah. they're giving a nod to that moment that they clearly cannot do. Yes, yes. Here, mm. which is really sweet. Yes.
3: And then every millennial who's ever done this show, when they yell, to the window! The whole ever- chorus backstage, to the wall! <laughs> 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 only, that I'm not the only one who's done a production where that gets yelled at least once and rehearsal.
1: That is so funny. Um, it's
3: happened so every production I've done since that song came out. Like when we yell to the window, just everyone else to the wall.
0: There's a ver- there's a world where we could add this song. I mean and the
1: witch could definitely if she was in if I if she could come out a little bit earlier, she could be like to the wall. To the walls?
0: R <laughs> rated R-rated. R-rated. <laughs> This is our moment, our big moment. The witch has fire on her broomstick. She's going to burn the scarecrow. Dorothy grabs the water bucket, throws it on the witch's broom. It gets onto the witch. And here's her melting monologue. Oh, you cursed brat. Look what you've done. I'm melting, melting. Oh, what a world. What a world. Who would have thought a good little girl like you could destroy my beautiful wickedness? Oh, oh. So many
1: Right? That's like, that's pretty much it. That feels
3: right.
2: Pretty much verbatim.
3: Yeah. 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 Most of that scene is, except for the added, you know, again, they broadcast another famous musical, uh, cover your ears. If you haven't seen Wicked her taking the broom to the scarecrow, don't you want to be my old flame?
1: Yes. <laughs> Which is so funny again. Oh, yes. yes. Again, I
3: read They're broadcasting. Movie. They're like the Simpsons. They're like, this is going to happen on Broadway in the next 20 years. Like these. They were yeah.
1: The that is pretty, I didn't even connect it to Wicked, but I didn't know. I was like, Oh, the old flame line. Yeah. That's interesting. Like what
3: If they had kept the Scarecrow cutting down the chandelier, they could have been like, we called it on Phantom, too. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, Phantom opened like two months before this show, so they couldn't.
0: (laughs) Hilarious. Oh, We get Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead. Yes, the reprise.
1: Another cut song that I'm sad was cut and happy to see back.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then we get our whole throne room scene again with Oz, with the wizard being revealed. This feels similar
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: this is pretty. Yeah.
0: This is the scene. Uh, there's a few. I it's have
1: beat by a pretty clip for later. That is <laughs> this is
3: where they're just like, get her home.
1: Yeah. yeah Wrap it up.
3: Because as an actor, by the time you get to this point, I will tell you if you're playing one of the Fab Four, you're, you're dying. Ready. You're ready to tired.
0: songs. You're like, yeah. get through the dialogue. On a not
1: like um, adaptation note, on a more like, oh, like um, questioning why a character does something. I, this is the first time I was like, why does the wizard specifically have these things? Like, what were these things for him? Like, why does he have a, a heart ticking clock? Why does he have, a, <laughs> like, what is that the prop for? for? What is that metal for? Like, we've, I think, made jokes when we covered the scene that he just is like... He's that guy that you go over the house of who's, like, just got dollar store stuff, like, ready to, like, hand out. <laughs> like, He's, yeah. like, he just has, like, props for days. But I was, like, why does why? he have these things? Right, right. Like, I wish if Oz the Great and Powerful were good, I wish that they would have answered this. Like... <laughs> we would have, in his backstory, like him getting these items. Ooh, that could from, be an
0: interesting... I was
1: like, this is interesting. I never thought about it. It was like the first time this has come up, like why does he have these items? This could items? be a
0: fan fiction that we write.
1: Yeah, another
2: fan yeah, well, well, awesome. one of the things that I find interesting to think about is you know, he, he came in a balloon. He didn't bring a, a lot of things with him. Right. He yeah, maybe had a few things, but remember, he's taken over Ozma's throne room and Ozma's palace. So he's been... <laughs> He, he's been there alone for how many years hiding away from the world? What does he have to do other than to pilfer everything in the palace?
1: <laughs> that's a great point. Like it's probably not his. So if we're, I was thinking about Oz the Great and Powerful for as much as I do not like that film. I was like, okay. Yeah. They Like, cause they were planning to continue this on, right. They were going to do three films. They were going to go oh, wow. a little bit further into this, but they did not. I was like, Oh, it would have been cool to see if they did go on. Like maybe Glinda, that's her ticking heart. Clock right. that she uh, gives him or something. That'd be cool to explain. Yeah, I mean, I don't love the Glinda wizard romance at all. Like, I'm not, not <laughs> really for I just think he's a <laughs> mediocre dude that does not deserve witches. He doesn't deserve witches liking him. You know what I mean? Like, I want. I wish they were calling yeah. him out rather than like catfighting over him. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, oh, that's kind of just like a, a trashy storyline. I feel like we can yeah, go into I, that another time, but
3: yeah,
1: <laughs> you know, we all feel yeah. Awesome.
3: The Wicked Witch would have told him off and been done with it.
1: Right. I was like, oh, yeah. I really wish we could have gotten a little bit more wizard backstory in some way. Yeah. I would love to see what people would invent for why
0: does that he have That would be so cool. Things. Why? Yeah. Right. Well, back to our <laughs> story. I well, can't we'll answer that today, so. <laughs> today. Next time you will hear about it, I'm sure. He's an old candy <laughs> man. He's a premier balloonist from the Miracle Wonderland Carnival Company. And this all follows as usual and Dorothy finds out, okay, perhaps he can help get me home in his balloon. We have the whole balloon scene. Yes. Toto runs off, the wizard flies away in his balloon. Yes. The wizard says the guard ruined his exit. And then Glinda <laughs> appears and <laughs> basically is like, "Yo, Girl, you could have done this a long time ago. This all pretty much follows as usual. She clicks her heels. There's no place like home. Before that, she says goodbye to all of her friends. Yes. And now here's our ending. So the script tells us that Dorothy ends up sort of near the front of the stage with Toto lying down. Everyone runs in and discovers her, saying that they were afraid they almost lost her. A lot of similarities here.
1: Rescue
2: team.
0: They are a rescue rescue team. team. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's we very just,
3: Return to Oz.
2: That's what I was just going to say. It reminds me of it completely. Dorothy just laying in the dirt and yes. Uncle Henry and then running in with the blanket. Yes.
1: They had just seen it in theaters. This is so traumatizing. They, they, they stole that from Return to, right. Well, remember, have,
2: like, Return like, to Oz. Right. Well, Remember, Return to Oz was filmed in, in London.
1: Right. John Kane, you stole this from Return to Us.
2: They didn't
3: want to bring the house back in just to strike it for a curtain call. I know, like, right? Yeah. I know.
1: right? We I, are not about to do this, that. I think this is one of their biggest changes that they did, right. was make it a rescue team. Yeah. Um, also like they not, they make it a, a reference to Aunt Em hitting Dorothy with slippers, <laughs> Being like, yeah, the
0: scolds right, her. What?
1: that made me laugh. Crazy. But what's the goodbye scene beforehand? Did she get to say goodbye one-on-one to all of her friends? She uh-huh. did? Yeah. Okay.
3: yeah. I think and and is- she also contextualizes Scarecrow being her favorite and saying, you're,
1: right. you're, you're Scarecrow, my you're my first.
3: first friend here. She and every time I do it, like Dorothy is directed to take Scarecrow by the arm, step away a few feet. You know, don't say it right in front of You're the my other.
0: My favorite. Yeah, in front of everyone. I'll miss you most <laughs> of all. <You laughs> hear that. <laughs> Can I say I did that once to my parents when I like I didn't mean to, but I was like, Mom, I'm going to miss you more than anyone when I go to college. And my dad was like, Um, excuse me. So. I know we're this can cause drama. It's like the MySpace and top 10. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, there's like, no be no careful name. what you say.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like, not that I want to presence it too much, but that moment in the Angeloid Weber version, he does have the Tin Man and Lion basically just say, Really, Dorothy? <laughs> <laughs> they they respond to that. So.
1: I would appreciate that in an SNL skit. Like, that's right. like such a SNL idea. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Thing. yeah.
2: Just it it, it kind of kills the vibe.
0: Because there is a sweetness to it, because she met him first. Sorry, dip. yeah.
3: Sorry about yes. Sorry, you weren't in the cornfield.
0: You weren't there. I was Sorry all alone. It. Sorry about it. That's all.
1: Sorry. About it. Sorry
3: that they didn't originally write a romance between us in Kansas. Right. Right. <laughs> With our material.
0: Miss Gulch is um Ms. injured. Poor Miss Gulch. She, the telephone pole broke she, her leg. Um, yeah, she
3: can't. <laughs>
1: She can't move, I guess, Oh, my gosh. And everyone's kind of celebrating
3: it. Yeah. I mean, they could have been, like, it brained her and she's dead.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. They'll never come after your dog again. There's no place like home. Oh, my my God. Oh, my God. (laughs)
1: And Miss Gulch died in the storm. Sorry. There's there's just
3: no place like home. I got the dog as the
0: the prop here. Oh, yes. my gosh. And then we it's end very with-
3: much like, why? Why did this just happen?
0: Why is this happening? Yes. We end with Dorothy basically being like, no, this really happened. Y'all were there. They're like, ah, oh, ha, ha, it was a dream. No, no, no. And okay, then- well,
3: where's the house? Because I'm in the yard.
0: Right. Tell me, tell <laughs> yeah. me more about this. Yeah, she's like really convinced. She's, yeah, it bothers me. She mentions the field mouse again, which is sweet. Yeah, the field mouse. They're like, what?
3: <laughs> they a whole stack of yeah. kittens in there.
0: What is that she does mean, Funk?
1: Sound- she does sound crazy. Like in this scene, I'm like, she sounds like she's lost. Yeah. It. Like if
3: they're, yeah. they're making Return to Oz make sense.
0: Yeah, it does. It justifies Return to Oz. It like does wanting
1: to seek some sort of therapeutic
3: yes. slash horrifying treatment.
0: I do think when I was in this, we we cut a few of these lines, just condensed. Yeah. I'm you? I mean, a lot of
2: people do. Yeah,
3: and did you keep it in yeah. the yard or did you move it back into the house? Because I've never done a production that's kept the ending intact.
0: Yeah, I it. We were outside. Yeah, we weren't in. We were not in the house. Nope. Rescue team. Rescue team. (laughs) As far as I remember, I'll go look at the photos. This was a while ago.
1: I didn't, I was noticing, because I I specifically fast forwarded when I was watching the MSG production. I was like, I need to see what they did with this ending scene, because I don't remember this ever being done this way. Right. I was like, oh, okay. Like, I think Paper Mill probably did it too, maybe that way. I'm not quite sure. Same director, um, Robert. I was wondering if they just, they were the big ones to make that shift later on back to the bedroom scene, this yeah, like yeah. wheeled on little
0: bedroom <laughs> that everyone could yeah. their heads been, into. Yeah, that that feels right as well. I probably,
1: you know, what it probably was for this team. They just didn't think how they can. They just didn't think of the solution for how they could probably tear do down the set house. Yeah, because that's what's so I think important to say about this production is when the Muni production happened, they didn't have the tech that the '80s now had. Right, like it's yeah. just. I know it's a silly thing to note, but it's so important to note. like they could finally do some of the things that the Muni script was like, well, let's see how we could dance around this because we just don't have the tech to do this. Right. Um, So it makes sense that they would start bringing these things back. And also it makes sense as the production evolves that they would even upgrade as they went along.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And and also originally, you didn't see the interior of Dorothy's bedroom during the cyclone. It was all voiceover while things happened on stage. So this would just be one more set you would be building for a minute and a half. Right, Mm
3: -hmm. right,
1: doesn't just a nice little a nice little carton. (laughs) Yeah, I was going
3: to say a lot of productions just cart on a bed in front of a black curtain so that you don't have to that That curtain call and like one thing that I've done in a couple productions is. We do the bed because it's easier. You can have stunt like you can have your understudies in the farmhand costumes with their back to the audience, while the three guys are backstage with their microphones saying their lines. Oh, because I don't want to tear Tin Man out of his costume and get him back on stage oh, in two and a half gosh. minutes.
0: Right. <laughs> it's,
2: it's a hard quick change to so do. Yeah, really hard quick change. Correct. Right. So, okay.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Interesting. Because
2: you're doing you. You have to do Aunt M, the three farm hands, the wizard, even Henry, Uncle Henry. Henry, all, all of them the guard, so.
1: yeah, yeah, all right. dressers on deck. We do not have home from the whiz to help us. <laughs> yeah, that's not there. No, <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. I didn't even think about like how severely that fast, fast that change, changes. Right? Well, I saw in the MSG, which we'll get into more. They bring back what you always wanted. They bring back that cuts the cut scene of the like
0: lines. The draws. montage. I know. I was the like, montage.
1: yes. <laughs> they bring all that. Back I love a montage. I love space. a dream.
0: Hey, Dorothy. Like, <laughs> give me those voices. Yeah, they're like, like saying.
1: It's like the. Rrr, rrr. <laughs> I love stuff like
0: they that. They bring
1: all that back, which again is just to cloak. I think right. the fact that all these people need to change backstage. Just to kill time. Yeah. <laughs> just to note.
2: And, and as we wind that up, yes. Like as we wind that up, like for reference i'm sure well it'll be posted you all me i'm everybody will post it i'm sure <laughs> you can see the rsc production on youtube and see how they originally did those things how that create how that creative team chose to bring this to life for the first time that had never been done before
1: yeah yeah right. it's so cool it's so cool to see just Everyone's, the, the vision. Everyone's take on yeah, it. Yeah, the you, vision It can of go this. so many
0: ways, yeah.
1: Oh, I love it so, so much. Like, so, I, yeah. I wish I could do this for almost, like, every musical. But I'm like, no, this isn't really hard work to do. Right. Like, to I understand. Know. So, like, yeah. that, that Wizard is. of Oz is the one we have chosen to do this on. Yeah.
0: So just to, our final line is, Dorothy basically says, I'm never going to leave here again. <laughs> Which, you know, we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. There's no, dun, 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 dun. I'm just there's no, no place the like time. home. and then, yeah, I love that little outro music. What's the, what's the curtain call music?
3: It is a medley that starts with ding dong. The witch is dead, the dead. and the then map, goes into right? optimistic voices into over the rainbow and then oh. into jitterbug for the play out.
1: Wow, oh, okay, yes. Do they have cues where the character, it changes to so. the character.
3: I don't. think uh, the Four tells us when they come. I think the script tells us in order, but not. Yeah.
1: I love if, those. I know. I love those kinds That's of. That's the best. sister act had that, I and I loved it. I like love I loved it. the finale of sister act for that reason because it, it
3: usually on. it usually works out that like the Fab Four appear on the dun 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 dun, dun, dun. like because it it's uh, optimistic voices and then builds and then. Burst into over the rainbow, and then that's for the big grand bows, and then yeah, well, company bow. Then it goes into bum 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 dun, dun, I dun, love dun. that like the play out. And if they don't close the curtain fast enough, you usually get the company just kind of freestyling it to be like, all right, yeah. we're gonna get off this stage now.
4: <laughs> our Time to go
3: home. Some productions actually will then do a a repeat and have the company sing over the rainbow, over the rainbow, and then bring the come the curtain down.
0: Oh, that's cool. I love what happened.
1: And
3: then the rocket ship comes out.
0: And then Throwback. there's a rocket ship and then
1: the rocket. Ship. <laughs> I eventually love what happens with the Over the Rainbow reprise. I'm like, let's hear it again. Do it again. Let's hear it again. Do it 12 I, times. Yeah. Little concert. That's my favorite one. I was like, everyone passing at the baton, but they're all like in different vocal, like registers. It's amazing. Love it. Like, some amazing. people are sprouting, are... Some people are speak, singing. Making I was like, I work. love this. So
3: yeah, everyone's like a ballad. Then you get that somewhere. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: here like, for that's, it. That's Phoebe Snow, right? Phoebe Snow. Like, yeah.
3: Yeah. Over the It's
0: Amazing. We'll get into that because it's real yes. Okay. All right. Tell us what happens after. Okay.
1: All right. We're gonna skip around a little bit, but okay. So this RSC production, like we said, had two years um, that it happened as a holiday tradition, not annually. I guess as they had hoped to have happened, but it does get done so much in england um since the 1987 production but let's come to our soil of america our soil. for the debut production in 1988 <gasps> starring former olympic gymnast kathy, kathy
2: rigby <laughs> in
3: everything
1: yeah she already had sunk her teeth into this role she had already done a muni version of this uh, um but what's really cool to note here is lara teeter um would play the scarecrow who would go on to uh, do the msg so production good. and go on to do the tour that would follow the msg production he also just was known for being a modern day ray bulger he was nominated for yes. on your toes in yeah. the 80s which in the role that ray Bolger created on film so there's a cool yes this is a thing to know that's like, cool we see this going back just to bring back some history we see this with um fred stone um the original scarecrow in the 1902 extravaganza ray bulger saying how much fred stone mattered to him and how he just—that's why Ray Bolger fought for the Scarecrow, and he was initially cast as the Tin Man. He always wanted to play the Scarecrow because he loved Fred Stone. So, just kind of is like keeping this
0: that tradition. This alive. tradition
1: that these men kind of find themselves in the former, which is cool. Yeah, I love
4: that.
1: yeah, I and I feel to read. Yeah,
3: and I will give full credit to Lara Teeter for really shaping how I've played Scarecrow
1: um, because he
3: really girl. took. He helped make that bridge from film to stage so that when I started doing it on stage, I'm like, okay, well, what Ray does isn't working here. Ooh, Lara did something really cool. So, um, yeah. I love him. I think he's phenomenal. Yeah.
2: Oh, he was cool. wonderful in the role.
1: Yeah. He's wonderful. It's cool to see clips of him. And this production was of course produced at the long beach civic light opera, which is a now defunct uh, theatrical uh, sad company. Um, yep. but I was Listening a little bit to an interview with Kathy Rigby today, I was trying to see if I could find anything with her, like talking about Dorothy, clips of hers. Dorothy haven't come up with anything, There's but y'all know we did. Oh we're my god, We're trying gosh. to find the shirt. We tried to <laughs> bid on a shirt. We wanted to put a Kathy Rigby as Dorothy shirt in our giveaway. And we Force, just missed the bidding. We were like, no, we really wanted it. Um, There's a anyway.
3: headshot of her from when she did wizard.
1: I saw that floating around. It. Um, I was if trying you- to find anything with her on just talking about being Dorothy. I appreciate it with this interview I was listening to two of her. It was like her final farewell tour as Peter Pan in 2010 time. Um, And she's just talking about how she made this transition from rigorous Olympian level gymnast to musical theater. How like it was at the encouragement. She was getting kind of like little bit roles um, offered to her. But then she was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Like I'm going to get a voice teacher. I'm going to study acting. Like she is such like that she's a trainer. You know what I mean? Like she just, that she's disciplined. Mm-hmm. So she took her time, um, to get herself like really like feeling confident. The big thing that changed everything, which was the Peter Pan arena show for her that she would do, which we'll talk about the wizard of Oz show, <laughs> which is yeah. very similar. like canned recordings, all of that, like having to perform to a a um, black hole yeah like a canned version of you is insane that she did that but then she was like no i don't want to do that anymore i really want to do theater and dorothy was one of her introductory roles and that's really sweet i mean she would get she would not she would not take away the candle from judy garland but she i think it's safe to say we were my husband and i were talking about this yesterday there's not many actors who do not originate roles that become associated with that role later on there's not many but she's one, I would say, with Peter Pan, For sure. arguably. Yeah. I think, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a Mary Martin girl, true and true, but I tell this story all the time. We have, one of my only Christmases we record it is when i was five years old like me opening my gifts and i'm like acting y'all like it's a little <laughs> gross like i'm like looking at the camera like hey. look at me but we had just seen peter pan on broadway with kathy rigby uh, and i pull out my mary martin vhs tape and look at the camera and home alone literally go kathy rigby like i scream kathy rigby at the camera uh, and my a, mom goes queen. no that's mary martin but Yay! But <laughs> <She's> say, <laughs> go share it for a point. I know. I that. Making yeah.
3: those Christmas dreams.
1: She's so cute. But she really, she's known for this role. She's known for Peter Pan, right. especially to our yeah. generation and beyond. Like we were saying this with George Turn with Sweeney Todd. Len, Len um, Carew, is that how you say his last name? Carew? <laughs> Len Carey was the originator of the role Sweeney Todd. But we, I think, associate George Turn. There's, I can't think of many people who have done this, who've really taken a role and like i you associate them, them. with that right. person more than the original but kathy rigby is that so i just wanted to give a shout out yes. to kathy rigby who is the only olympic gymnast who has a Tony nomination what whoa i mean that's pretty insane that's and she has wild. her own little foot in Oz. and i was like and we got to get her for a conversation on this because i bet there's stuff to find out with I her would,
0: i would actually pass out.
1: on this that would be cool because it was like in the starter package of her big okay. illustrious career, you know? I you. will say
2: one of, one of the things I haven't seen it in so long, there was like one of those A&E biography shows that they did on Kathy and they spoke about her transitioning to the stage. And it is the one video clip I have ever seen of her as Dorothy oh Gale.
1: Send it to us.
2: It <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was, the video was just of her rehearsing the tornado scene being swept up into the tornado in the flying okay. harness I, I i know there are audio uh, bootleg clips out there of her playing dorothy okay but that that little rehearsal clip is the only video i've ever seen of her do that and i also have that long beach uh program with the production ah! photos
1: i love it and love
2: it is you, I, I i love it so much i will I say also-
1: I also think like if we saw her as it, you know, that foot was pointed when she was up in the air. Like you know, she was up in the air with like the st- monkeys were like, oh my god! Like did she's she, probably like in a pose. Did of some she time. tumble
3: at all? I'm sure she had to.
1: They had oh, to. Sure during
3: Jitterbug, did they have her do like a back handspring? Like
1: right or the flying?
3: <laughs> but her gymnast skills would have been used in both Pan and Wizard of Oz because those harnesses they are like they take athletic technique.
4: It's very. Yeah. very- to
3: wear i've never been harnessed more than like being thrown by a monkey i've never actually gotten to fly like Dorothy or Peter Pan but like just that much you get out of that thing and you are bruised. Yeah it's painful. Yeah you don't know how to hold your body you're like what is happening luckily I was scared so I could just
1: Kathy (laughs) knew though. Kathy Kathy was like I'm born for this ready
2: for it. So I just think it's yeah like it it just last comment on that production the choreographer was the wonderful Patty Colombo who I love that yeah
4: angle,
2: yeah she choreographed that production and her wicked witch was pamela myers
1: amazing i mean the Ooh.
2: the original marta from company who introduced another hundred people to the world <laughs> bringing it back to sondheim again
1: Aww. company is a part of our day i know it was like we nice gotta see the revival yeah. wow yeah,
2: yeah. the okay. arena show <laughs>
1: Okay, now. Yeah. Love-hate relationship. From
2: 1988,
1: the year I was one year old, to Woo-hoo! 1989. Here we the are. The year I was born. Live! <laughs> exclamation point. Arena oh, okay, show. 50th
2: <laughs> anniversary.
1: Yes, 50th anniversary, opening at Radio City Music Hall. Oh, yes. Oh, it was built to play stadiums, big, 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 epic stadiums. venues. 70 stadiums. was the initial um what they wanted to do and five
0: million dollar production
1: there's not a lot on this except for not except for but one thing I found that I thought was amazing was our girl Aljean Harman back. welcome back Aljean and she's still making some she's... comments on weight, which I'm oh, like, girl,
4: Al-G. I want to
1: take this out of your descriptors of describing people. You don't need to say a rotund person. Like we don't need, to, I don't know. Every right?
2: time. Every time. Every time. I was
1: like, what is her obsession? Right. But anyways, we do have this amazing New York Times article that algene Harmitz did write that is pretty, I'm so gra- glad it exists. When I found I... this, I was like, oh my God, thank God. <laughs> this like really solves mysteries with this weird arena show that didn't quite... It wasn't successful, but was successful, but wasn't successful. But she caught it. This article, she caught it before it would open. Um, She caught it in rehearsals at an airport.
2: Let's just note that. Yes. Yes. Okay. In an airplane hangar.
1: Yes. Yes. That's actually so cool. They couldn't fit anywhere. Right. That's huge. Like, where else are you going to rent out, like, an NBA stadium? I'm sure they need it.
3: A lot of arena tours will do that. Like, I know Phantom at the Royal Albert Hall was in an airplane hangar.
1: That is so cool. So she, she said, way to
3: mimic the space because who has a theater that big? She
1: called fantastic. this article Dorothy lands in the strange country of the sports arena. And it was in the dance section of the New York Times on okay. March 19th, 1989. Um, so she talked to the 66-year-old entrepreneur, Mike
2: Griliches, Grilleke-
1: yes, who was transforming this 1939 MGM movie into an arena show. Um, his history is great i he was like the disney on parade savior
2: yes he was
1: tell us more
2: great so yeah michael grilicky's came on came on board with disney this is how he really found his niche reviving the disney on parade franchise and making it workable and tourable and profitable for them and he did that for years yes he also did that kathy rigby yeah, he also did that Kathy Rigby arena tour of Peter Pan where he a cast of voiceover actors came in, recorded the script. They added a few new songs and sent it out on the road. Well, he decided he wanted to do The Wizard of Oz and he did the adaption himself. He found this this wonderful creative team, this cast. They pulled this 23 year old uh, Grace out of Las Vegas to be the Dorothy. Yes. And the, the oh. cast recorded all the dialogue with their own voices, but then they used the actual MGM song soundtrack wow. for all of the musical numbers. And he out went this the show too,
1: right? He not
2: only... Yes. And he directed, it. He directed it. it. It was his baby. It was his brainchild. I actually have the souvenir program. If anybody's interested in pictures or scans. Yes,
4: right we now.
2: are. Like, yeah, <laughs> we, we will make that happen. Yes, yeah, but, but everything was adapted for this giant 50-foot stage and you know, things trucking in, trucking out, and the cast would go out and lip-sync along to, to the dialogue and the film soundtrack. And they, they would fly a full-sized farmhouse, and they had five dogs that tag-teamed in and out as Toto through trap doors and everything. Yeah, I
1: love that it says here the Winkies um, wear hats shaped like vultures with wings. of Yeah, chicken. they were turkey
2: they, feathers, they were. Black, and black. Giant, yeah, giant red, giant red headdresses, Extra. and the wicked witch. Yeah, the wicked witch was covered in feathers with a giant red hat. Glinda had giant fairy wings. Yeah, what? It's, the
3: coloring book is a fun trippy thing that they made because the coloring. I have that book as well. Yeah, the coloring book, they look like the MGM characters, but then they have, like, the added pieces. Like, here's these wings, and here's what looks like your normal everyday Wicked Witch, but now there's feathers on her hat and these glasses.
4: This
3: is wild. It was a buck wild production. I think, honestly, one of my favorite things to come of it is there was a uh, review that said, this show has no brain, no heart, and a (laughs) hell of a lot of nerve.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: One of my favorite things ever. And um, if anyone wants to read a review, there is one in the Bomb Bugle, volume 33, number one, spring
4: 1989. Um, yes. that Come on, Zoe. Bomb Bugle. Come
3: on. Yeah. I also have, I have the 50th anniversary press kit that MGM put out. And part of this press kit is when you signed up and got it, every couple of months they'd send you a magazine to update you on, here's how you can really promote the 50th anniversary. And the first ones that came out in early 88 to say get ready we're putting this movie out again next year has like that 70 some city list and every issue you get the list starts to dwindle No, until yeah. like the last issue they're like there's three cities left to the tour and this was in yeah. early 89 when they just said we're canceling it we're done like oh, we're gonna do these right. last oh, three and then cancel. Cancel. i'll talk
1: a little bit about the finances but em you want to share something with
0: oh joey said Glinda had wings which I'm like, huh, oh, the Munchkins were two- I love it. <laughs> the Munchkins were 2 feet taller than Dorothy?"
2: Well, yeah, so so the bulk of the Munchkins were the adult ensemble and they were just in giant costumes that somewhat evoked MGM, but they were standing upright all around Dorothy and they would bring in a group of local children in every city to play the Munchkin oh soldiers, and they would just kind of lead them around the stage.
1: I love the local children, I love local
3: children
2: <laughs> always. Yeah. You know, in class, it's coming full circle to the Muni.
3: Right?
2: Yeah. I
1: also love that they were like, mm, the ending is anticlimactic, let's just storm it up again. So they had the storm reappear appear in this version, um, transporting yes. Dorothy out of Oz okay. back to Kansas. I'm intrigued. Um, it also, this, Al Jean's article breaks down how all the different dogs jumped in at certain times yes. to play different fights? yeah different parts yeah. of the journey um but yeah this is hilarious um and it basically just ends with her being like was it really a dream then she reprises over the rainbow um, okay and as she gets yeah. way above the chimney tops glinda comes back and the turns the stage into rainbows and all the characters <laughs> come back so we don't know they didn't answer that was we, it a dream? we don't know up to you people <laughs> but, um, let's talk a little bit just this about is so funny I love they have, they did talk to Grace, sweet Grace Gregg, who played, 23-year-old who played Dorothy. Like you said, she's from Las Vegas. Um, She was performing in Beach Blanket Babylon at a Las Vegas hotel before she was doing this. Um, She talks about every time, uh, I I think of Judy Garland every single moment. Sometimes I see her face when I play a scene, which is really sweet. Um,
3: She's being haunted. Judy's like, like, girl, get out. That's also a little scary. Is Judy smoking a cigarette and being like, what did you do <laughs> to my show? <laughs>
1: She's there. This breaks down what happened to this article. Is like great. Joey said, like the Disney on parade, Peter Pan, giving him credibility in the Broadway community. Wow. for Our producer, um, say his name again.
2: Michael Grilla keys,
1: Grilla keys, um, Yes, him, he, him getting clout from that. He says here, the star of an arena show is the show. If you're only in town one week and you're trying to get 10,000 people into an arena, wow. there's no time to introduce people to something new. That's very true. You need a story music and characters that they know. Oz was ideal. This is so smart. this is very important to know. He optioned the movie. When the option ran out, he optioned it again. And then again, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Grilla even did the one thing you're never supposed to do. Here's where I'm like, tisk, tisk because so many people probably got burned on this. He invested his own money, four hundred thousand dollars in the third option. In 1982, the Broadway producer Cypher and Ernie Martin brought in real estate developers who were prepared to back the show. A cast was chosen. Oh. Nearly one million had been spent and the show had bookings for a year when the real estate market went sour and the backers oh. pulled out. And this is where Mr. Grilke says that was the lowest point. But I never wanted to give up, even with failure after failure. Um, So then in October in 1970, he signed his fourth and final option, this time with Turner Entertainment, which had brought MGM, which had bought MGM and started looking for a corporate sponsor, Coca-Cola, Kodak, Procter & Gamble. They're always there. All these corporations, they turned it down. AT&T said yes. And then it was like, no, they got cold feet. It seemed too risky. They just, everyone felt really conservative with show business. Um, They didn't want to be acting as Broadway angels. Um said Herb Carlitz of the public relations firm Burson-Marsteller, which ha- helped to find sponsors for them and is also providing a half million dollars in services as its investment in us. So he just for a year Mike had to do this dog and pony pitch to corporations, um, but everyone asked the question: What if the show goes over budget? What if the tickets don't sell? But of course they would find their angel in Perina Dog Chow. <laughs>
4: Yes.
1: Two million dollars. Um get it. i just started off. And then Downey Fabric Softener. Okay. How I described what's her face's voice. Her voice. Um <laughs> they were like, Jillian, yeah, just like her voice. They said, We'll put down
3: that too. And
1: well, they and they Downey was out. doing
3: the 50th anniversary as a whole. Oh so, yeah.
1: They were like, put yeah. a step. We're fine. And like Prina Dog Chow was like, we see endless connections here between like pet Toto. care yeah.
3: and five dogs. <laughs> yeah. we yeah, we yeah, yeah. provide the food for the dogs on tour.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So this is like where everything finally kicked in. Um it took months for them to fine-tune contracts. Um they wow. had an, an open that had to opening that had to get pushed back several times. They had to think about all the sound systems that they were gonna yeah. embark upon. That's why they did the whole pre-recording, like Joey mentioned, Um, but all the dance sequences apparently were um, very strenuous. Like this was a dancers, Wizard of Oz. They got to see you in that arena. Well,
2: did did you clock the choreographer's name? The one Miss Ona White. Oliver. The
1: Oliver choreographer.
0: Yes. I mean, that's like a big deal. Yes, Ona.
1: I love it. I mean, they, they were constantly just like batting problem after problem with this production. Yeah, this sounds crazy. They had, I mean, it was a union tour from what I see, because that's complained about here. Um, It says, perhaps the worst thing of all is the laundry that had to go with the show, which I just think is funny and worth noting. Union rules, (laughs) everything that touches the body must be washed between every show, says Tim Timlin, who I'm assuming is a part of. Yeah. I do laundry for 43 times a day. He travels with his own washer and dryer wow. sears he says because if it breaks you can get it repaired anywhere in the country he just was sponsored like, by sears sponsored by sears everyone <laughs> um dry cleaning every 24 shows it's like Jean is such a detail wow. yeah wow she's such a detail how like she's like <laughs> <laughs> she, she like really gets all she these does. details she's in like, her. here here's a freaking other thing i was like Jean, stop Just like putting out people's personal details, she puts (laughs) poor Grace's height, weight, and dress size and bra size in this article. I was like, Al Jean, ew, Al Jean, unnecessary. Why do we need that? I just want to like, I want to draw awareness for her to be like, do you see how like whack this is that you did? That's a little weird. Um, but yeah, she gets. I recognize that name, Bill Campbell, the costume designer. I know him. Campbell suit. It's not that <laughs> <laughs> maybe more sponsored, but that. that name sounds very. Um...
3: But it's good that they had Downey as a sponsor for doing laundry 43 I
1: right. know. They're like is not laundry. that is true. I mean, she described Emerald City as gaudy. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it
2: was. was. You'll, you'll see the pictures.
1: Oh my gosh! This is what I like. How this article ends. Mr. Gillakis sees Oz as a way of bringing live theater to families who are hungry for theater but can't afford Broadway prices, which is a thing. <sighs> that is that's a, a thing. thing now. That is still a thing. Um, after Radio City, where tickets are, I mean, this is, we have to remember, this is the 80s, seventeen fifty to $25. Oh my God, can you imagine? The top price was <laughs> 50 to go see this. Wow. $10 and 50 cents. Please. So I do appreciate the fact that he was like, I want to make something that's affordable, but like in order for it to be affordable, it has to play arenas right. so we can make a buck on this, yeah, Yay! yeah, I mean, we're getting real nerdy now. Like, it's getting this
0: is this is in depth. This ner- is so nerdy. fun, and y'all are amazing. Yes, like, thank you. So, I'm so learning so, much. so You're much. amazing. Well,
2: thank you. Love that
0: we mentioned it. Yes. yes, yes, yes.
1: Thank you so much for listening to Down the Yellow Brick Pod. If you are feeling frisky with your fingertips, scroll on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a glowing rate and review. <laughs>
0: Each person who leaves us a review will be entered to win our end-of-the-season Oz giveaways, including a gift basket of musical adaptation goods, which, trust me, you aren't going to want to miss. All previous reviews will also be considered in our entries. We see you. Until next time, catch us at Down the Yellow Brick Pod in our Technicolor scrapbook on IG, and partying on our Patreon. Gratitude to our patrons of present and future for making more magic possible. Let's escape to Oz
1: soon, okay? TTYL!